0: this computer yeah especially uh you know why i didn't record because i I'd be hating to uh like, cut out the edit later on can you hear me yeah i can hear you now yeah yeah now i'm saying i said i'd be hating to cut out the edit anymore but i hate like you can't you can't say fuck you to everybody and then apologize literally within 24 hours yeah be like yeah we're gonna get this going i was like god kanye's crazy crazy Twitter has, I mean, they need to take his Twitter away. I've never seen anybody that I didn't want to hear from. I enjoy, the <laughs> like watching niggas, you know, spin down the drain. is fine with me. I can do that. And he's clearly spinning down the drain. One like, thing that you brought up that was funny was uh, all right. Those are he couldn't words. have peed on that Grammy. That was funny. There's no way he peed on that Grammy. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know I nigga. Mean? Like And and him not being on the Grammy is even more ridiculous. Like you had a water bottle and or a squirt bottle and a Grammy and your phone. And I'm like, sometimes when I see Instagram videos, I don't think about the video that I'm seeing. I think about what the person looks like as they're recording it. For real. You look insane. Like you look completely insane. And I have no doubt. Like, I'm like, like, you picked that Grammy up out the toilet when you were done. <laughs> like, when you were finished, you picked that Grammy. Yeah. Who did you hurt? Do you think you hurt the Grammys? No. Like, it's yours. If it I your Grammy. Them, you you were, it. It's yours. it's yours. It's yours. I was like, oh. The only thing you hurt with that is, like, niggas. Is like, okay, well, I guess we won't give you another one. Like, Pretty much. It's like, yeah. It's like when all those people were burning uh, Nike shoes. I was like, so right. You own them. The money is already with Nike, and you're probably gonna buy some more Nikes, especially the way the stuff is set up with companies. You have no idea who you're buying from anyway. I'm saying, you're Converse like, is Nike. Yeah, I'm gonna go from yeah. Nike to Converse. Nike's like, fair, fair. That's cool. That's cool. We own this. You do that. You do They're that. trying to corner the shoe market. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay like Nike sitting at home, like, oh damn, somebody burned one of the Air Monarchs. Our highest selling. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> our highest selling shoe that we don't yeah. care about. Do you realize we don't have a, well, uh, who's the advertising brand? Like uh, the marketing team for Air Monarchs, they're probably in a basement office with one phone and yeah. they never get a phone call. Ever. I'm saying, like it's like, yeah. They do have a phone call. They they talk to a uh, academy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to say talk hey, to- same same order as usual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all of them. Yeah, <laughs> all yeah. right, take them all. Yeah, take them all. yeah. You can go ahead and do that. Yeah, so academy. what you're saying is, from your sales, you don't want any new colors. Okay, no new colors. Don't change anything about the style. Yeah. Let's- all right. Cool. It's also funny how like the Air Monarch is universally panned as the dad shoe. And even before the internet, our father has two pairs of Air Monarchs. Hey man, that's over. like that's like an automatic. It's like, I feel like it's a dad shoe because it's not, I don't know. It, it's not minimalist enough to be stylish. Like I feel like to be stylish, you gotta go over the top or under. And it is right in the sweet spot where it's like there's enough stuff on here where it's not stylish and there's not too much (laughs) to where it's just not stylish. It's It's not good. It's not like a Jordan 1 or like no um, uh, Cortez or anything that minimalist. It's, yeah, they got to put a strap on some of them. We just shit all over the whole Air Monarch. <laughs> like, the Air Monarch team is just sitting there, like, I spent 18 hours designing that shoe, man. You know, Air there's Mar- no Air you don't Monarch know what team. goes into this. Yeah. They're at meetings and everybody else is making fun of them. <laughs> they go, like, oh, who are you? Oh, well, you know, I I, I did the, Le, the LeBrons. Like, what did you do? Oh, no, nothing. <laughs> just a, the Air Monarch. Or, or so maybe they're, they're look- like, it doesn't matter what you guys do yes i'm the highest selling shoe every year exactly. no matter exactly yeah we don't know the air monarch numbers yeah. i need yeah. to keep talking about numbers air monarchs could be outselling everybody by they far are. they probably are and it's probably some real cocky ass designer like haha you need a a sports player to advertise your shoe you need like an air can, bubble it's like you need a commercial I could throw these in the middle of the street. As a matter of fact, sometimes I do. They just set these out on the curb in front of Academy with a sign and Career. people buy them. People don't you even know steal them. For. People don't even steal them. They pick them yeah. up, take them inside and purchase them. Like, Those are the shoes. Better. They're the shoes that are on the telephone pole, like yeah. uh, Air the Air Monarchs. Monarchs. Doo, 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 doo. That's what's been going on on Twitter. Oh your boy Kanye West. But he has some music coming out. Man, he always says he has music coming out, and then he just don't come out with music. Travis Scott got that song coming out soon. He's smart. That nigga started... Um, can't, since you can't do the merch bundle anymore, they fit the website to where, when you do purchase merch, then in your... Um, what's that thing called, Uh, in your checkout, whatever, um, there's a coupon to get the new single called Franchise with Young Thug for 69 cents. You've already spent $200. 69 cents to get something when it comes out. I was like, oh, y'all, their marketing team is impeccable. That's true. Mm. Since we are recording, have you had the Travis Scott burger? I haven't. I have. Was it good? It's a McDonald's burger. There was nothing different about it. He used I, I things they me, already I, I had. Me, it was perfect. There was nothing different about it at all. You can only get it with a Coke or a Sprite. Oh, so you can not get a Coke? You can get a Coke. OK, I thought you could. I thought you could just only do Sprite. I <laughs> thought you could only do Sprite, too. But I don't know. The lady asked me. She was like, Coke or Sprite? I was like, Sprite, whatever. Travis got hands down. Uh, just the best marketing. Cause he's constantly getting people to buy things that I never thought anybody would pay for. Yeah. So that's fantastic. I never thought niggas would go to McDonald's like that. Oh it's what? McDonald's. Like Is he here? Fat Tony? Yo, what's happening? He's it's here. Alright. Yeah.
1: No. What's I do? I'm I'm like exactly right on time. Oh <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. You really are. That's are that's yeah. You're on the motherfucking dot. Yeah, <laughs> on the money, man.
0: We were just, we were already in here. I was like, let's just be in here just in case, man. Look, I I, I used to say I know, maybe it's the pandemic, but I feel like Houston's a little bit better at it. Like I wrote for all hip hop and a couple other things. Houston yeah. rappers tend to be have better timing than most rappers and business. I don't know yeah. why, but yeah. like other rap from other cities, it'd be like yeah. uh we might be waiting. I feel a while. like I feel
1: like. Texans, especially Houston people, pride themselves on being like businessmen and being like professional. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like every time I like watch a Houston rapper interview like Kiki or Slim Thug, they're they're always talking about how they have like a, a real estate thing going on yeah. or like some other kind of like yeah. business shit that has nothing to do with their music, but they yeah. do talk about it with yeah. the same sense of pride that they talking about the album or something. You know what That's I mean? That's true. That's why I
0: was like, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, so it, it's, it's funny because I often forget. Because, you know, when I was younger, I'd always be like ready to, you know, you got to make sure to warn the rapper and make sure they know that they they coming on. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And now I'm like, yeah. nah, man, they just, you know, you just tell them the time they just show up. Yeah, you know, they show up. Yeah, man. man. Okay. Plus, and also, communicate.
1: He used to just love to promote their own shit, too. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, I'm wearing my own shirt right now. You feel <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> me?
0: Nigga know what to do, huh? That's yeah, perfect. got to. That's yeah, perfect. that's perfect. So I'm saying you guys know how to communicate well because with a lot of Houston rappers, even if they are late, they will yeah. let you know what's going on and make it up to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. true, true, yeah. true. Yeah. How See, is all, my uh, levels? My mic and stuff cool? It ain't too uh, hot or anything? No, no, like no, something? everything sounds good on this end.
0: Everything okay, no. sounds good on this end. The internet connection's steady, all that stuff. So, yeah, it looks like- Love that. Your mic sounds nice. It's perfect. You knew it with the mic you have, though. Hey, man, got to, got
1: to. Yeah. But it's always <laughs> like, a slightly different setting than, like, when I'm making music. So yeah. when, I'm, when I'm doing these, these, like, Zoom calls, I always crank it, but I'm always like, damn, am I doing too much in this bitch or what? No.
0: You no, got it perfect, I- but you got a good mic.
1: Oh, yeah. true, true. Hey, man, yeah. hey, come on, man. Artists, I man, you got to have yeah. a good mic at home. You
0: got man, to. I will say that, though, because it's like since we've been doing these Zoom interviews, it just depends. Like every once in a while, we get somebody that's like, we'll be like, hey, we'll forget to say, yo, be in a clear place, you know, good sound, mm. good lighting, whatever. Or we'll we- say it. Okay, fine. <laughs> we said it. We said it. And then yeah. they will call us from a from the background of a video shoot in a stairwell and yeah, I'm like, dog, what do you? I can hear the music booming through yeah. the walls. <laughs> and this, yeah, I said this three G ain't gonna get it, man. Yeah, what's I, uh, for the hour, <laughs> like, not for the hour. <laughs> like not for the hour, it's not gonna work. Yeah, not gonna work at all
2: What the fuck? Honestly, like,
0: bro,
1: good. man, it be like that sometimes. Like, like, like if you got a stacked ass schedule, and I hate yeah. when that happens because I know I'm not gonna give the interviewer their like proper time, proper attention. Mm-hmm. You know, like like i planned my whole day around this so i so Thank i you. got home early really i took a shower you know what i mean my my like girlfriend left like it is just me and the dog it is quiet i am ready for y'all
0: you feel All me hey right, man we 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 really 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 appreciate yeah. it of we're course. trying to expand out so like our thing is just you know we're going to start off he and i are going to do a little bit of banter then we'll introduce you and then cool. it's pretty much just an hour of us going through uh, your history, what you're doing now, and what you plan on doing in the future. We Sounds try great. to treat it as, you know, we're, our, our podcast is focused on Houston artists and really exposing people to all things Houston. So if if you're on our show, it's because you got some kind of connection to Houston through artistry, through business, you're from here, mm-hmm. like it's something like that. So I yeah, that. and uh, especially with you, because you know, you'll tell people like, oh, Fat Tony, and it's like there are so many artists that big mm-hmm. up Houston all the time. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, what more do you want them to do? You want them to tattoo Houston on their face? Because people will be <laughs> like, oh, he's from Houston. I'm like, Doug, he, like, I'm like, the, I'm <laughs> like an x ray. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that I don't know what else you want this person to do. But there are certain people get I mean you'd be surprised, man. I was talking to somebody like three weeks ago and they was like, I mean, Meg the Stallion, I don't know where they be making them at. I was like, Houston. They're like you I'm like, nigga, shut up. Like for real. You know what Dude, I bro.
1: think I think for like some people when they hear of an artist outside of a local context, like they see him on like a certain flyer or yeah. a certain radio show, you know, KPFT or something, I I think those things read Houston to many people. Yes. And if they hear about you from like a blog or That's something exactly else, it then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe they're from Atlanta No, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: exactly what it is. <laughs> it, it was is strange strange thing. Thing. <laughs> We were yeah. telling people about uh, Tisa Korean that's down here. And I was like, no, he's from Houston. And they are like, nah, you know, the first time I saw him was in a Fader article. I was like, that doesn't negate- Houston niggas being in the Fader? <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> <yeah>. Houston <laughs> niggas be on Comedy <laughs> Central too. Yeah. yeah. Houston be, like, <laughs> You said it like that was the opposite of what I said. Like, yeah. those are just no. two different thoughts. Like, <laughs> he is- he was in Fader. And <laughs> he was in the Fader. So, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, man, there's something, there's, there's this thing, and maybe I'm getting too- inside baseball because i'm really talking about amongst other local artists friends of mine peers of mine there's this sense that being from houston we're always the underdog yeah so so when you hear about a houston rapper being in something that you associate with being quote unquote national or whatever and in like many people's mind it's 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 like a disconnect because in their mind Houston niggas stay in Houston and and they never get the shine that they deserve yeah which I think is kind of bullshit like I was at yeah. the barber shop just a couple of days ago and me and the barber I don't live in Houston now right I live in Arizona and the barber was like yo I love Devin the dude you know Devin the dude is, is so underrated and in my mind I'm like Devin the dude has done it all, like, yeah. he's I, not I, underrated. He's on the yeah. crime 2001. Yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, the
0: fuck else yeah. you want? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I, I saw your post about Devin the dude, and it was the same thing. I was thinking, where it's like, no, but it's definitely who has ever said anything bad about Devin? Like, who's ever been like, nah, Dev can't rap, nah, Devin can't do <laughs> Like, everybody's always like, no, nah, he makes incredible albums, yeah, he's yeah, always. on I said. Every rapper likes him. Like, every yeah. rap. I've never heard a rapper no. say anything bad about Devin the Dude. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, you hear so many rappers like, that's the guy.
2: Devin yeah, yeah. the
0: Dude. Who was yeah. that? I think that was, was that Melly Mel? I, it Grand, was Grandmaster Melly Mel? Like somebody the other day, it was, because uh, Big Daddy Kane was like, go to his page and show more support to him. So uh-huh. I went to his page, and he has all these videos. So I was like, I follow, I'm following down. And one of his posts, this is, you know, one of the, uh, you know, founding fathers, like back in the day. Yeah, yeah. of hip hop. And he literally goes, yo, y'all, my favorite rapper, like since back in the day, is Devin the Dude. Real. And it's wow. down. He's like, he since said. the <laughs> first album. And then he started singing the songs. And he Real. was like, Doug, Devin the Dude. He raps the best. He sings the best. Yeah. He yeah. has some of the best concept songs out. Yeah. And I was like, "Dude, yeah, it, yes. <laughs> like, hands down. All in He's one amazing city. amazing to me, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. All in one city, that's good. Just proving to everybody that Houston's not a black sheep. Black and ugly as ever, Ever, I stay Houston down to my socks. I'm one of your hosts <laughs> from In My Hubble Opinion podcast. Avery like a very nice guy, also known as Avery Zadius. I'm here with a co-host, my brother, my blood brother, just Devon. That's me. Boom. That's, uh, yeah, that's just me. I'm I'm regular. With the Hillman shirt on. Representing oh, Bill Cosby. Oh, you know, now that now that, you know, this is the shirt that people just rock. Like it I is. feel like people just have so many Hillman shirts. I'm like, oh, it's just something to do now. Hillman and a Bel Air Academy. I see a lot of those. Bel Air Academy. If I got a oh. Bel Air Academy shirt yeah. though, I want the I want the Carlton jersey. I want I the Carlton know. jersey, <laughs> too. I want the Carlton jersey. You can get it It's like, 50. It's easy. I know. I know. That's what I want. I prefer the Carlton jersey. I was like, I feel like that's just a little bit more, I don't know. Like, the the wheel jersey just seems too obvious. It does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah but pretty- people is peeping the Carlton jersey the way that you and I are peeping it. So yeah. it's kind of becoming yeah, a little yeah, yeah. father. Yeah. Yeah, because you gotta got to get that one. Now i got to find another jersey. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got, you always got to have something that people do. Oh, weird one that, yeah, you never know. But speaking yeah. about fashion, we have somebody today who's a trendsetter in the fashion world. He's a game show host, and all-around personality, a DJ, interviewer with Vice, a meme, a battle rapper, <laughs> recording artist. He's also a Gregory Isaacs fan. If you follow him on Twitter, and you should follow him on Twitter, it's pretty much, in my opinion, a step ahead of everybody in the game. I'm a fan. Um, he's a great performer. With this catalog in your phone right now, including Feeling Groovy, that's coming out on Exotica, which comes out on October 23rd. This smart ass black boy, Third Ward's own, Fat Tony, ladies and gentlemen. All right, oh Fat man. Tony. What
1: an intro.
2: Damn.
0: Let, <laughs> wait, let, me, let, me, let, let me try it. Let me, let me try this one thing. Anthony Lawson, Jude, if I no check, uh, I messed it up. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Hey man,
1: you ain't the only one. I ain't even know my whole name till I was 18.
0: Wow, your name is, yeah. Wait, what?
1: My, all right, so my, so my, so I found out this is later, right? When I was going to college, I had to go get my birth, my birth certificate for something. Yeah. And um, I like saw this long ass name on it. And I grew up knowing my name as Anthony Lawson Obi, mm. And I asked my mom about this. I'm like, yo, what is this? And she was like, oh, that's, that's your full name. And I was like, you aren't gonna tell me more than that? Like, what the fuck is this? And she's like, well, your dad and my mom got into it about Jude in your name because it reminded her of Judas from the Bible. Yeah. So, so we told her that we weren't gonna name you that, but we named you that anyway and just told you that your name's this. So after I found that out, I like started putting that everywhere and just trying to learn it myself because I didn't know, even know how to like spell it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Dang, man. Wait, and you were how old when this happened?
1: I was 18, maybe 19 at, at at the oldest. My first year of college, I had to go get my birth certificate for like a scholarship or something. Mm-hmm. And I was fucking shocked. And and <laughs> I, And I was also shocked at how casual my mom was telling me about it she was like oh it's oh it's whatever oh oh, that's old news you know what i mean not knowing that like hey i'm trying to get to know myself and i'm finding out my full name for the first
0: time (laughs) okay so on this show we go back and you've uh, you've already started highlighting the early years although we want to go back before you learned your full name so Mm. let's go back before 18 years old like you are this you are fat tony but mm-hmm. where, where are you from, Fat Tony?
1: I'm from Third Ward, Houston. Grew up over on Scotty McGregor and grew up on Live Oak and Rosewood. I have I have lived in Third Ward my whole time growing up in Houston, and I'm strictly a South Side person from Third Ward, the Sunny Side, the South Park. Like those are all the places where I had family and friends growing up.
0: Yeah, yeah. And for people that aren't from Houston, I mean I know some people just get into the whole, like, oh, it's South Side, North Side. It's not that. Uh mm. at this point in life, if you come to Houston, it is just uh y'all don't know how big Houston is. Yeah, like Houston yes. is massive. Uh it's massive. Like everything that's on the South Side, there's usually a version of it on the north side and vice versa. Because yeah. people just don't want to drive. Like yeah. I'm not I'm not driving all the way up there. It's not happening. I don't know. Yeah. I just never
1: even really knew about the North Side till I went. Honestly, when I started, maybe my senior year of high school, starting college, that's when I started meeting people from the North Side. First, I had a homeboy that went to my high school, and then he transferred to Ike, and I was like, "Wow, bro, that's that's like so far. Like, yeah. like what is it sit. like?" And <laughs> he was like, "Yo, there's, there's like mad fields and horses and shit over here. Yeah. It's Mad different." And then I started like meeting some more folks, and, 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 and I had this one buddy who I was like, man, i never been to Acres Homes. He was like, what? Come with me, and we just rolled around the north side one day, and I was like, wow, this is like, I never knew that there is this whole other side of Houston. Granted, it's like 45 minutes from my house, yes. you know what I mean? So yeah. it really felt like you going to a totally different city.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 always feels like that. And there are so many parts of Texas, I mean, of Houston, that are like just, this feels like a whole different city. A Leaf is its own mm-hmm. part, Pearland is its own part, Sugarlands is its own part, Bo City mm-hmm. is its own part. Just parts of actual Houston art. So you got Third Ward, you got Fifth Ward, you got uh, Acres Home. Like all this stuff is just divided up because we're such a massive city, all right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about like when you were coming up uh, and you do like a myriad of things in terms of music, Were you focused on rap? Were you focused on DJing? Were you focused on singing? Like what was it that uh, comedy? Like what were you trying to get into uh, when you were younger?
1: I was trying to be a rapper. I mean, I'm like coming up in like the late nineties. Like I was in, I was in third grade when like Biggie got killed, right? So pretty much all of my elementary school years were filled with just rap being the main thing going on from like Massa P to Houston artists, like rappers just everywhere. That was the coolest thing to do. And I remember the first time I ever thought about being a rapper is when I bought my first CD. I bought a crisscross CD and I bought it because I saw that they were kids, too. And I remember going to my cousin and I was like, bro, like. These 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 guys are kids like us. Let's start a rap group. And my cousin was like, "Nah, why would I (laughs) want to?" Like, wait, wait, what's like? What cross their their uh, first album? Totally crossed out the one with uh, a jump on the big one. one. I like that. And I and I and I also bought it years after it was hot. This this is like. Like, I don't know, that CD came out in like 92. I bought it in like 97, 98. And I, and I only bought it cause they were kids too. You know what I mean? Like I was looking for some other shit out there to kind of represent me. Cause I, I love music from like day one. Always thought it was cool. Always wanted to do it. My mom's is an amazing singer. Not at all in a uh, professional way, but just loves loves to sing, studied opera, purely for like a hobby. And I was really inspired by like, her, and, and my grandma loved music, and my dad loves music. There was always music in my house, but none of them were like people who wanted to do music as a living. It's just something uh. that, that like they enjoyed. So honestly, coming up, I didn't really know anybody who wanted to get into music like that until I got to middle school. And mixed with like, being a preteen, feeling a little bit grown, meeting some other guys I want to rap to who are acting manish. That was like the sweet spot where the Fat Tony name comes comes from and like the first raps and all that shit.
0: Okay, so let's talk about that then. Fat Tony. All right. Fat Tony, if you Google Fat Tony, There are some Mm -hmm. prominent Fat Tonys. There's (laughs) Fat Tony, the gangster from The Simpsons. There's an actual mobster. Real mobster. mobster There's a real Fat Tony, who I think The Simpsons copied off of. And we have you, sir, Fat Tony. There's
1: also a DJ in the uh, UK who has a documentary about how he did, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of drugs and
2: shit.
0: Yes. That's the first one that pops up on YouTube. (laughs) That's the first one that pops up on YouTube. I was like, really? This is how I did ten thousand dollars worth of drugs in the night. (laughs) This is not no straight up.
1: Couple times I got booked thinking that I was him. Um, None of none of the shows happening because they figured it out, but I remember once my like agent called me, he was like, Yo, I just got an email. For you to come and play some like award show in London for ten thousand dollars or something crazy, and I was like, "Oh shit, I'm fucking popping, yes, I'm about to get it." <laughs> and then it came and back. It was like, "Oh, actually, sorry, man, they had the wrong guy. Sorry, bro." I'm like, ah, uh,
0: man, that sucks. Have you ever dollars? You could have bought a lot of drugs with that. Like, Straight what, up. <laughs> have you ever met the uh, the other the, the Fat Tony from the other side of the pond? No, you know what? He was at South by Southwest
1: once, and I tried to go to his party, and I could not get in. This is like maybe my first or second South by Southwest when I had no clout or nothing. They straight denied my ass. Like, no, you're not on the RSVP list. Go on. I mean, so. also... I no.
0: mean, having no cloud, coupled with the fact <laughs> that you have the name of the person yeah. who partied it. Like, I mean, I can't show up to a push a tea party and be like, "Hey, you know, I'm push a tea." They're like, yeah. "You I'm are." T- They're like, yeah. "I am." I'm I'm push a tea on this side. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm I'm Texas Pusha a tea. They're like, you're, you're, you're that's you. you're "Texas, that's you." Texas, don't
1: take too kind to
0: honestly, put, man. I'll push a Texas, push Texas now. What's up? Coined it, so you couldn't get into the Fat Tony party back then. But that's before you started developing the clout. That's before yeah. you started. Yeah, that, up was, up. that was that was pre-clout. All <laughs> you know, right, all right. Now you Wait. the South by Southwest king, man. Even
1: man, I have been to. Two, I've been to like I think last year was my eleventh year at South by man, Southwest. Congratulations! Wow. Isn't wow. that a damn shame?
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. From, even yes. from what you talk about in your music, it's unfathomable. Yeah, unfathomable. <laughs> Un- yeah. Can't so, talk to that. <laughs> you developed the name Fat Tony. You already said your parent. Y- you know, you have family that are into music, but they're not necessarily like, you know, this is going to my uh be the path for me. Uh, mm-hmm. What happens when you start telling them, like, you know what, though? It's for me. Like, I'm about to start mm-hmm. making music. I'm about to get out of here.
1: You know what? I think at first it was like, oh, that's cool. He has a little hobby. Because when I started it, I was in middle school, then in high school. So from what they would see is friends of mine coming over to my house, gathered mm-hmm. around the uh, computer, trying to like record music. It's like, oh, that's cute. Then I started like playing concerts, talent shows. Like, oh, that's cool. Then when I went to college and they started noticing that I'm going out every night because I lived at home for like college. I didn't live on a uh, campus. Okay. So they're like seeing me going out late to like two in the morning. They're like, what are you doing? Like, oh, I'm at a show or I'm at an open mic and I had to wait my turn to rap. I I think then at that point they were like, maybe this nigga getting too into this. We need to pull him back, <laughs> get him focused on his studies. So outwardly they were like, yo, yo, we need to have a, a talk, man. Like let's, you know, maybe you should, you know, keep this as like a hobby, keep your options open, keep doing music and you know, But for me, I was like, fuck that. I want to do this full time as as like a college student. My mindset was I'm either going to make it as a musician or I'm going to gain enough knowledge and experience to work in the industry as something like maybe I'll be a A A&R. Maybe I will manage something, but I just knew that I wanted to work within hip hop music, period.
0: Yeah. So what's what'd your dad say though, given that he's an engineer?
1: He was the more, number one guy not fucking with it. Oh, okay. Not <laughs> fucking with <laughs> it at all. Now my mom not Nigerian? Uh, let me let me paint the picture. <laughs> my dad is a Nigerian who fought in this in the Civil War there, right? Hmm. Came from this war, came to the US, put himself through uh, school as a janitor at first, Ooh. got a couple degrees, became an engineer. Got a good job, set up a good life, had yes. a family. So in his mind, he's like, life is do or die. Serious. There's no time. Like he's, he was not the kind of guy who was like frivolous. Yeah. Like he didn't have <laughs> a bunch of hobbies. Sure, he he liked music, especially classic country music. Sure, he would watch the TV, but he was very focused. When he wasn't at work, he was reading up on stuff. He was strictly business and i think he looked at rap music especially rap music but any kind of arts as like oh that's for like drunkards or like a you know not a serious person so so soon as i sold any inkling that i wanted to do it as my profession he was shutting it down now my mom black american woman she's from houston she's from third ward highly educated went to great liberal arts schools, you know what I oh, mean? Yeah. She is way more artsy. Yeah. She, she loves to sing, she plays the piano, she loves music, she loves books, she loves films. So I think she could kind of understand where I'm coming from. And I was actually like really inspired by, by her because I'm like, wow, my mom has been to like New York and you know, she's like gone to see concerts of, of, of Bob Marley Rolling Stone, she like tell me about Otis Redding, like she's very cultured to me, right? You know? Yeah. She was not outwardly like, yo, don't do it. She was more like, yo, your dad don't really like this, but do you do your <laughs> yeah. thing. You know what I mean? She was a little more encouraging. Yeah. She would keep little Behind clips of, like me in the like... newspaper. Oh, that's Had a good. little, you know, CD of me up up on her desk. You know what I mean? But still she was like, hmm you know, do your, do, do your school thing. Like, don't just put all your eggs in this basket. I was like, no, I'm putting all my shit in this basket. (laughs) This is what I'm fucking doing. Cause, cause I look at it like the only way to make it period is to put your all into it. Yeah. If if, If I'm not performing, I am reading about music. I'm listening to music. I'm trying to educate myself about what a record label does. Like just any part of music I was trying to educate myself because I knew that one way to set myself apart is when I do get a chance, I can come a little bit more, like, professional with it. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean?
0: Yeah. Now, when was the turnaround for your parents then? At what point were they like, you know what? This is real, and uh, I'm cool with it. Or are they cool with it?
1: Now they are. Now they – I mean, especially at this point, I mean – by like this point, I'm a fucking grown ass man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like a 30 something homeowner family yeah. man, you know what I mean? It's different yeah. now. Now it's like, all right, it's what right, you, you've, you've like taken care of yourself. But at first, you know, you're not really making a lot of money doing this when I'm in, in my early 20s. You know what I mean? I would say the moment that really changed things, and I still remember my mom being like shocked. I was like, mom, me and my friend got a record deal. We're about to move to Los Angeles for four months to go make an album. She was like, boy, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then I actually did it. And she was yeah. like, oh, I think this nigga's gonna keep doing this for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I So mean, let, let, let's just go ahead and go to that point then. Fast forward yeah. to, you get a record deal and then you move to Los <laughs> Angeles. What are the thoughts that are going through your head just first getting into L.A. I mean, you're leaving Houston and you're going now to a new market. I
1: have to backtrack a little bit, right? Go ahead. Let me tell you what happened in like the three or four years before that moment happened because there's a lot of buildup. First things first. My longtime producer is named GoldenEye, a.k.a. Tom Cruise. He has produced most of my albums yes. and my new album, Ex- 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 Exotica, right? Mm-hmm. Me and him met because he was in a rap group that I loved. He lived in Atlanta. He was coming to Houston because his rap group was gonna get their new single mixed by Mike Dean. They were signed ah, to Warner Brothers, ah, right? Okay. أي- and this was gonna be our first time meeting. Prior to that, we just spoke over, over the internet, you know what I mean, like on the, on the phone and shit. Really on some shit where I was like reaching out to him, like, yo, out of all the young artists that I've heard who are our age, I think y'all the tightest. I think we have a lot in common, man. I want to click up with y'all, right? He comes to Houston and it's December of 2007 when Pimp C dies. Damn, man. When, When Pimp C dies, Mike Dean is like, yo, I'm canceling all of my appointments. I'm mourning right now. I'm not working. So he's on his way to Houston, and now he has nothing to do, because the studio's canceled. Yeah. So he's like, yo, well, let's just kick it. He gives me an address, I'm like, yo, I'ma have my mom come and pick you up, that's how young I am, right? <laughs> the, the address is two streets over from where I live, and I'm like, oh shit, you, you you're right in the neighborhood. So Ooh. we go over there, and it's his grandma's house, His uh, grandma's there, his mom's there, and his aunt is there. Turns out his mom's side of his family is from Houston. His dad is Jamaican, but they live in Atlanta, right? His mom and dad separated. His mom is from Houston, his aunt is my little brother's school teacher, and they live a couple streets over. So I'm like, whoa, this is kinda like crazy. So we start kicking it, and because his Mike Dean sessions are, are all canceled and he's there to work and to hang out with his family for like the holidays, we have all this free time. So me and him start to kick it tough. And we decide at the end of that month, let's make a project together. Over the next couple years, the, the, the rap group that he had started to break up. They like got dropped from the deal. their deal, that album never came out. So he was in need of a rapper. At that same time, I'm getting more and more serious about music and I need a producer. So me and him just start to click. Now, I had never been nowhere. I had never been on a plane. I'd only left Houston a couple times. My family didn't like travel or like go on vacation or none of that shit, right? My first time leaving Texas was to fly to Atlanta to go work with him. Oh, wow. And man, it's funny, I was looking through my, my hard drive earlier and I was listening to some music that I recorded on, on that uh, trip and that shit is fucking fire. Like I could hear how like hungry I was and how I'm like, yo, I, don't, I ain't never left town. I'm like working with like a real producer. He's like been on a major label, like I'm giving this my all. So for those next couple years, we keep working together and we put out an album. My first album, Gab. During that course of time, his rap group broke up. He moved from Atlanta to Brooklyn And I started going out there to rock with him, to work on music, to like meet friends of his, you know, trying to trying to get get my uh, feet wet. Really. Right. Yeah. Put out my first album. People like it. It has a little small buzz. I like win some like Houston Press Awards. Like I'm playing shows more like like, like I'm getting more opportunities. Then in 2011, I go to New York to make my second album. And I had a homeboy who was like, yo, I'm going to pay for it. My homeboy at the time Had a bad drug problem Which I didn't know about He had a serious heroin problem He never gave me the money that he promised me So I'm in New York I'm out of money I was crashing With my homie Me and her got into it She was like yo you can't stay here no more I'm like yo I'm gonna go stay with GoldenEye I go stay with GoldenEye Him and his girlfriend break up Really really bad he gets kicked out. So me and him are like, damn, we we don't really have money. I don't have the money that I was promised. Let's just scrape together whatever money we, we uh, have and get an apartment. We try to get an apartment in Brownsville, if you know where that is.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we, got,
1: we got fucking uh, basically scammed. I put my last $400 down to get a down payment on our new apartment. We get scammed. We're ass out. We go stay at our homeboy Jason's crib in Jersey City. We are so fucking broke, sleeping on his couch. We can't afford groceries. Our friend Jason that, that, that we's crashing with, he ain't got a whole lot of money. So we basically eating the leftovers of their food and, and we basically getting drunk every day so we can pass out and we're just making music and we make like four or, four or five songs, right? Two or three weeks into that, my mom calls me, my grandma, who I, who I grew up with, lived, lived with with my parents, she dies, mm-hmm. right? I'm like heartbroken, I'm just busting in the, in the fucking tears, I'm like, I, I have nothing going on right, right now, right? I'm fucking ass out, my grandma's gone, my mom flies me back to Houston, I go back to Houston, and then I get a job. While I'm working that part-time job, I found out that one of the random sessions that, that, that I did that summer living in uh Brooklyn was for ASAP Rocky, who was a new artist. His tape comes out, it's huge. Yes. yes Everyone's talking about, about, about his tape. He's like the biggest artist, and like he's he's like the biggest up-and-coming rapper out in the world now, right? Mm-hmm. So because of that, I started to get a little more attention, just like a little bit. I have a a homeboy, Blackie, great Houston artist. He has a tour coming up. He asked me to roll with him. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go on my first tour. I go on tour with with him. The tour is cool. We have some ups and downs, but it's mostly cool. I get back to Houston. My part-time job fires me. Mm -hmm. So yet again, I'm fucking broke. And I'm still going to college then, right? My mom comes to me and is like, yo, we can't really afford to pay for your school no more. Like, you're gonna have to get loans or something. I go try and get a loan. I don't know what I'm doing. I fuck up the paperwork. I get dropped from all my classes because I didn't make a certain payment. So now at this point, me and my producer are fucking broke. (laughs) I am out of school, like, I I'm like on this guy's tape that's getting a bunch of you know write-ups and stuff but in my mind I'm like I don't have shit like I gotta go get another job like I'm at like this point I'm kind of thinking that I need to maybe fall back from music and and just try to do something else because I'm just taking too many L's right at that time I go play a festival out in Austin these two random guys step to me, these two random white guys. And they're like, yo, let's smoke. I'm like, okay, sure. I'm like kicking it with, with them. They're like, yeah, we like working music. We, we like love your first album, Rabbit Gab. We you know, saw you on the Rocky tape. I'm like, oh, cool. About a month later, they write me and they're like, yo, we didn't mention this, but we're starting a record label and we'd love to sign you. Let's, let's you know, talk. So I get serious. I, by this point, I have a little relationship with Bun B, right? Yeah. Which, which is kind of crazy, because me and my dude met after Pimp died, and then at this point, I'm kind of getting friendly with, like, Bun. It's, like, it's crazy, right? I asked Bun for a lawyer recommendation. He gets me a lawyer. I paid a lawyer. He reads the contract, does the contract. The label is like, yo, so how do you want to do this album? I'm like, yo, I want you to move me and my producer to Los Angeles. I've never been there before, right? And I'm just like, you know, that's just what, what you do. Let me just see what happens. And they say yes. So they get me a place for four months. And at this point, I come to my mom and I'm like, yo, I know I got dropped from school. I know I got fired from my whack ass job. But now I'm going to be a rapper and I got a record deal. So with all that in mind, she's looking at me like, what's this next full plan that you got? You know what I mean? Nice. And that's, that was, that was the moment. Sorry, it's like a, it a, a, a no. long story. No, 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 keep going. Honestly, that was the moment where I was like, all right, I finally got an opportunity that is serious. I need to do everything in my power to keep making money as an artist for as long as I live. Now is, now is my chance to like start meeting people. Whatever I do with this moment is gonna determine what happens next. Let me take this really, really seriously. And me and my guy locked in, made a couple albums, and I've just been gung-ho about doing music ever since then. From that moment, I was like, I am, I'm, I'm not trying to get a job unless it deals with like what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like This is who I am, this is what I do. I remember my mom had some like older cousins come and like talk to me and they're like, yeah. yo, we just wanna know if you know what you're doing is real. And, <laughs> and I was telling them like, "Like, yo, this is fucking real. This is, this is realer than it's ever been before. At this point, I can't turn back. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. Mm. Hey man, look uh, Fat Tony, I'm so glad that you didn't just say, yeah, I went to Los Angeles. Like you <laughs> yeah. could have said, yeah, yeah, I went to Los Angeles, started the story there. Like, that is incredible. The okay. ups and downs of just getting to that flight yeah. to Los Angeles, and there's just a sprinkle of a minor like, and you know, Bumby gave me a lawyer recommendation, which is wild, which, which is like, crazy. And I, and I and I
1: and I and I only asked him seriously because he's the only like, like rapper rapper that I could text yeah. or like call, and I didn't know who who else to ask because anyone else I asked had like a lawyer who was like a you know, just some other type of law. I'm like, something. I know that Bun B has a real lawyer. You got an entertainment lawyer. Him. Yes, yeah, exactly. You needed an entertainment exactly. lawyer.
0: An entertainment and, lawyer. And, exactly. and it's better to ask Bun B than any, if you, if you got Bun B in your phone, of course, As, ask Bun yeah. B. Yeah, especially if anybody knows how to deal, I mean, after what they had to go through with jive. Oh yeah. If anybody good. has a good entertainment lawyer, it's Bun B. and i knew about
1: all that drama too because all of my favorite artists like him i studied their whole history so i knew what what kind of labels artists were were on i I like knew all i like read all the interviews like i was a deep deep nerd about music period but especially rap music and especially southern rap music So I was tuned in to what everybody's situation was, what it is currently, and I was trying to step to people and get some game about where it's going next. Like Pretty much every person that I met back then, even my producer GoldenEye, my first time meeting them was a cold call. I would send them an email or a MySpace message or I'd talk to them at like an in-store or like a concert, and i try to you know, step to them really, really mm-hmm. serious. Like, yo, my name is Fat Tony, I'm an up-and-coming artist. You know, I really respect what you do. Check check out my music, here's like a CD or here's a link. Like, you know, like like, like, like I was trying to step to people, not like let's make music or let's collaborate, but if you ever down to talk, I just want to get some game about how to do this. You know brunch, what I mean?
0: Yeah, trying to learn something. You're a real student of the game.
1: Definitely, definitely, definitely. And and I I mean, I just respect this shit. And I felt like that's what would set me apart because a lot of other people I knew, they only wanted to rap. And, yeah. and, and I mean rap, not even writing songs. They just wanted to be rhyming all <laughs> the time. Yeah. I was like, how do I be a songwriter? How do I get a deal? Di- like, like, how do I really do this the way the big dogs do it? Yeah.
0: And, and you that's what, yeah, because that's one of the things we always hear. And you can just see it from your music. It's, mm-hmm. it's all inclusive. It's a lot of different. When you talk about being a student of Southern rap, but just a student of music in general, yeah. there's a lot of musical influences that go into your music to the point where you're here, like we said before this, you hear know, people be like, I, I didn't know he was from Houston. I was like, he yelled Houston like 48 times. Gotta like listen close, yeah. even the way I, I fucking talk. You know what I mean, like honestly. <laughs> you don't even have to listen close. You, you say Third Ward a lot. Like, <laughs> like a
1: lot. What true. are we
0: talking about here?
1: And, and I wanted to say that because I felt like I never heard a lot of rappers talk about Third Ward. I always heard yeah. other parts of Houston Like, I'd hear about Third Ward on like a random screw tape or on like the Big Mo album, but I didn't really know tons of rappers from that neighborhood. And me and my cousins were always so proud to be from Third Ward. And I was like, you know what? Let me just, like, when I introduce myself, I feel like I'm from Third Ward first. Then I'm from Houston.
0: (laughs) Then I'm from (laughs) Texas. I like that. You know what I mean? Man, represents. Because it's like, of course you had to, I mean, being a student in the game, you had to read a lot. Let's bring this back to Rabdar Gab. Where did that come from? Your first album.
1: So I remember Rabdar Gab being a thing when I was in like fourth or fifth grade Mm -hmm. and in like middle school when I'm like starting to rap, like starting out rapping, it was me and three of my friends, Keith, Dedrick and Patrick. And we had a little label that, that, that I call Simply Throat Entertainment, right? And I remember then I was like, yo, man, you, you know, back in the day, we would have these like fantasies of albums that we'd make and then we would write out the track list, like not even making the song, right? <laughs> but just like right now, like,
2: y'all
1: yeah. wanna drop an album called this and it's gonna have these songs on man, it. Yeah. And I had a song called Gad that I never made, but I just remembered in like middle school, I was like, man, if I make a song or an album called that, other people my age from Houston are going to get it. And anybody that doesn't uh-huh. know it, yeah. it is going to stand out like, oh, what is that? Because it's a weird, you yeah. know, mix of letters, right? And I just kept that since like middle school. And when I was making my first album, I was like, yo. Let me put into this album everything I've ever wanted to do in music, right? Yeah. So like let me you know try to make a, a song like this, a song like that. Let me call it Rabdar Gab. Maybe this will be my only CD ever. So let me give it something that I can really be like, yo, all of my ideas about rapping since a kid, they right
0: here. That's perfect too. And for the people that don't know <laughs> who are outside of Houston, Rabdar Gab is an acronym for Read a book do a report, get a buck. It was a PSA that used to be on TV when Mm -hmm. we were children. They don't show it anymore, but it's like one of those little Houston Nuggets. You know who's from Houston when you say Gab," and they'd be like, oh yeah. But one thing that you did with the album, which I liked was you told people to write a report on it and you give them a dollar. (laughs) That's that's marketing, wouldn't (laughs) you?
1: Yeah. I was doing that just because just I thought like it's a cool way to tie it into what the real thing was. yeah, you feel me? And I just thought it would be something fun, like like I also one one major thing about my music and just my art period is I want to stand out and I want to do things differently for the sake of being tight, not not like just because, oh I'm trying to be you know different, but it makes sense with whatever theme I'm pushing or whatever the case may be, right? So, I felt like if I do this, the few people that might write me are the people who really like the album and and like really listen, yeah. and I maybe got like i don't know like twenty letters or something, not a whole lot, and all of them were like, "We don't want the dollar, we just think this is so cool to <laughs> making this album and i and I, and I feel like the kind of fan who hears a new artist for the first time and Physically writes them something, they gonna be down for a while. You know yeah, what absolutely. I mean? Absolutely,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Like yourself, twenty reports on your first album is still. There Not are people bad, that will right? write a report for uh, like a, a, a artist that they like. Twenty reports for your first album is big. They just big. don't uh, write letters. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Even <laughs> as you were saying it, I was like, Doug, if I was gonna write a letter. I'm all I'm like, Dog, where do I go find stamps at now? Like, feel like me?
1: it's like it's like a whole process.
0: Yeah. I'm like it's a whole process. I'm like that. Like I gotta go get. Like I have to go get letter supplies. I'm like, Dog, I, don't, I don't even want to go to the post office. Okay. So that's a big thing. That's a fan right there. Yeah, yeah man. So you are you moved to Los Angeles. Uh, you're there. Do we stay in Los Angeles the whole time, or do we get like, or do we come? No, back but. No, I so my so
1: man, I was trying to keep it real. I fucking moved me and three of my boys to LA. <laughs> I like move my, my uh homeboy Jason that we crashed with.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I, was, I was I was like, bro, manage me, right? Manage me. I wanna move you out here. I moved Goldeneye out there. Goldeneye was like, yo, I got this white partner, Paul, who's my engineer. He is fire he will move out here with us and bring all his gear. I'm like, bet, bring him out. So we all move into this house. We like build a little studio and then we just get to work. And our contract was for four months. Right. And I'm also kind of losing my mind at this point. Cause I never had shit. And I had a per diem of a thousand dollars a month that was just spending money. So oh, wow. I thought that I was rich. I was 23. So a thousand dollars a month to me, my, my, part-time job pay me like 250 or 300 every couple weeks. You feel me? So I'm thinking like, nigga, I done made it. I'm a baller. (laughs) I'm buying Ciroc out the ass. We having barbecues. I'm having a great time. But when that contract ended, I knew that I didn't want to like go and find a job out here like anything because I didn't have an album out yet. We were making the album and I knew that I wouldn't have some new music out for like a while. So I can't even get like booked. So I moved back to Houston. We pretty much spent the rest of that year going on a tour. We went on three separate tours that pretty much kept us busy. And at the end of the last tour, we played in Brooklyn. And at this time, GoldenEye, I think, Gold, Gold Golden, I wanted to stay. Golden, I was like, bro, stay out here with me. And I was like, yo, I can't do it. I'm not gonna have money. But Golden, I has family out there, so he could go stay with family. And I have family there too, but. I like crashed there a couple times, but it, it wasn't the right, you yeah. like to Not like keep it a buck, way. to keep it a buck. My cousin that lived out there was basically a functioning crackhead, right? Oh, uh, okay, okay. Straight, yeah. Like, and, and had kidding. a bunch of other problems. So when I would stay with him, it was cool, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't really comfortable. And I was like, man, I don't need to be staying with this old crip cousin of mine. Like, you know, <laughs> let, me, let me just go back to my parents' house. So anyway, we on this tour. The, the last show is in Brooklyn. At that point, GoldenEye's like, man, I'm thinking about staying out here again because I got people out here. And I'm like, you know what? Let me figure out a way to stay there too. So I had a bunch of friends out in Brooklyn, mainly my homegirl Effie. And I would just crash with them for long periods of time. So I basically lived in Brooklyn for like the next year because I would go stay there for like a month, two months, two weeks. Just I like kept going back and forth. But I really lived in Houston the whole time. And I never moved back to Los Angeles until the end of 2016. Oh, okay. I, I just felt like. You know, I didn't wanna be broke living in another city like that. Like, I didn't really have my shit together. Mm-hmm. And I I tried to make it work for like a month after that first LA trip. Mm-hmm. And nigga, it was bad. We <laughs> were eating that Del Taco every day. We didn't oh, have no. nothing. I was like, this ain't the life of me. Let me go back to my mom and dad house, man. Let
0: me regroup. Yep.
2: yup.
1: So Got
0: even me. after that, when you come back, how long before uh, the album comes out, that first album, and then you get to see what's going to happen? The fruits of it? Yeah. So
1: I, so we, we went out there from January to, eight. Hey, man, y'all are getting all the details. We yes! went out there we want- from... <laughs> yes. we, <want> them. <laughs> we all went out there from January to May of 2012 and made two albums. Double Dragon, which was a mixtape, and Smart Ass Black Boy, which was like my album album. Smart Ass Black Boy didn't come out until June of the following year. And by that point, I was crashing in Brooklyn a lot because also the record company was based out there and my publicist was out there and my manager had moved back to New York. So I'm like, you know, my like managers here, my like producers here, labels here, let me be here as much as possible. Cause this is where the action's at, you yeah. know, maybe I'll meet people who can like further my shit or you know, whatever. And the album came out and I was so geeked. Cause this was like the first time I had a CD who was in like Houston stores, you know what I mean? Like it, at the time I was like, this is gonna change my life, but it didn't change it suddenly. Good. I think the I think the real effects of it was I got a lot of respect and I was able to stay in business. But yeah. it's not like the album dropped and I had a big hit. I did get a bunch of attention. The uh the uh, hood party song was doing really really well on the internet. It was, it was getting written up at like Pitchfork Stereo Gun. Like I'm like I'm getting all the regular shit. And I'm finally like in people's conver- conversations and it's happening, but it wasn't crazy. I didn't get a shitload of money. I, I just basically got the chance to keep working, which I think is honestly better than just blowing up out the gate because it kept you humble and focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, like there, 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 there was never a moment then when I was coming out, like, yo, I'm the fucking shit now. Like it honestly still felt like this day-to-day grinding, handing out flyers, like, you know, nothing changed. It's it's just, it, it just put me in a level where when I mention my name to certain people now, they could at least be like, oh, I've heard of you, yeah. which is great.
0: <laughs> and that's why we kind of wanted to get into that aspect because so many people that are getting into, not just music, but uh, it, particularly with music, but most entertainment is like, you put in the work and then it's just, we have to wait to find out what's going to happen now. So it's yeah. like, I might finish this album and then I just have to wait to see what's going to happen with the album, when they're going to decide to release it, yeah. whether this is going to get any traction. And while that's going on, I have to live my life. Like I got to pay <laughs> yes. bills, I got to <laughs> yes. do stuff. Like even when you were talking about, it, it's like, I have to, you know, even when you're talking about getting booked, it's like I get booked with music but my music is still having to be released. So I gotta focus on the old stuff. And it's like, yes, it's it's almost like you're kind of living your life with these items that you've already done. Like to you, Rabdar Gab is the past. Like I've already done this, but I gotta wait now for you guys to hear what's going on. And so, yeah, that's always interesting. That's why we like that kind of stuff. During during that
1: time it's when I learned to be a DJ though. Be- oh, okay. because ah, I, there we go. I played a show at Santos Party House in Manhattan and I opened up for Freddie Gibbs. And this dude was there and he was like, yo, I will pay you if you come DJ at my bar after this. Just like put it up on your Twitter and your Facebook. So I'm like, I right, bet I'm, I'm on my way to his bar and I had a janky ass laptop and I couldn't get it to work. So I was just playing music off my phone and he was hot. He was like, Bro, like, you you know, you like gotta be a real DJ And in my mind I was like, sorry, my laptop's broke, but I was just gonna play it off my iTunes anyway, so it's not that, you know, big of a deal and he was like, You you was gonna play off your iTunes, what? I was like, Yeah, that's what I'd done before like at a like at my friend's party or something, you know what I mean? I didn't really know better. Yeah. He was like, Bro man if man come you know what come to me later if you learn to really do it i will book you again so it was winter time so i couldn't go out much i i got virtual dj and i just sat in my homeboy's apartment and i just learned how to do it i tagged all my mp3s like just really trying to get it down then a few months later i called that same guy nick me and him are still cool and i was like bro i learned to do it can you book me and he booked me and I still remember playing that first show and I played like a Todd Dolla Sign song or something back when he was new this it's, it's like 2013 and I saw all these girls come out to start dancing then I play back that ass up they keep, they keep dancing I'm like nigga I'm fucking doing it I'm doing it and from that moment on I was like well while I'm still waiting for shit to happen maybe i can get bookings being a dj and honestly i wish that i learned to to like do that back in the day cuz it taught me so much about making music it taught yeah. me so much about crowd crowd control i oh, mean yeah. it like totally influenced how i perform my fat tony shows everything about music and uh man it's just deep just i i was just trying to find ways to make use of my time man cuz i cuz i knew you know, being in your early 20s, all you really do is, is you kick it, you smoke weed, you get drunk, you hang out with people. I was like, let me try to pepper some of this hanging out with some actual learning, something mm-hmm. functional. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Always moving forward.
1: Yeah. During that
0: time, though, when you were DJing, was that uh, around the period that uh, you mixed Brooks and Dunn and um, Too Short, Blow the Whistle? That was so, a double.
1: So that... That thing blew up last year, but yeah. that's a mashup that I started doing maybe in 2016. Okay. you know what? what like, what like really happened. I, I I was back in Houston and I went to this bar in Third Ward called the Spot. You ever heard of yes. it? Yes. On, we know uh, the spot. formerly we know Dow- Okay. Yeah. <laughs> formerly Dowling. Now it's Emancipation Dude. Ave. Right. Yeah. Yes. I love the Spot. I was yeah. always in that motherfucker and. What I loved is it was such like a neighborhood bar and solo key. Every now and then I would see Scarface in there, of Devin the Dude, yeah. Killer Killer Cali I remember he was kind of regular there too. And I was like, "Bro, what's up?" He's like, "Man, you the only rapper I ever see in here." I'm like, <laughs> you know, "I'm in the fucking street, and and I'm not even like you know. I feel like the spot." when they think of rappers, they think of Jeezy. You know what I mean? (laughs) I am not a young Jeezy type of nigga, right? But I'd be in that bitch, and this one night, they played Neon Moon. And I hadn't heard it in a long time, but I remembered it because my godmother taught some line dancing classes, and she would have me burn the CDs. And I remember she had that song on and I was like, oh, that's that song Then my grandma like, okay, now I kind of see the connection as to why they playing this. And I went home and I downloaded it and I was like, man, maybe I'll pepper this into my sets. This would be something kind of like different, funky to play for people. And I don't know why I thought to mash it up with that Too Short song. I have no idea why. (laughs) And it just kind of dawned on on me and I thought it would be a cool intro to my Hood Party song, because the tempo's kind of like similar. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna hit them with this Neon Moon, they like, oh, country. Then I hit them with like, Blow the Whistle, which they love, everyone love it. And then I'll segue into my Hood Party song seamlessly and everybody's still rocking with me in the same groove. And uh, it just so happened that I was at South by Southwest last year, fresh off the plane. The first show that I play, I'm doing that mashup like I always do at all my shows for like years by that time. My, my homeboy films it, posts it, and people just fall in love
0: with it. That blew up. How many times a day, or how many, how often do you get tagged on that meme?
1: Man, honestly, it used to be hundreds of times a day. Seriously. <laughs> it had to be. Like, I don't, I had never had, I had never gone viral before like that. Like, going viral like that's different than having a hot song because you got people that like that clip who don't give a fuck about music at all. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think people love that clip because the mashup's different and it's interesting and it's jamming, and I think people just like the way that, that, that I was grooving to it. And honestly, during that show, things were going kinda bad because the sound system at that venue wasn't good. Now, if you've been to South by Southwest, you know, a lot of times the sound system at these restaurant venues the and shit—they ain't that good, right? I love—I love
0: that you said restaurant, because for people that don't know, it was a restaurant. by <laughs> Yeah, if you go to South by Southwest, <laughs> yeah. every place that has four walls and a door yeah. can now be a venue. Yep. they will put anything in there. The Chinese a, spot, the chicken uh, spot, yeah. the taco spot, don't and matter. They will throw any kind of equipment. They're like, here's a speaker and a CNC, and it's like yep. you just show up and they're like, dog, is this what we had to play off of? They're like the last dude did. Have fun. Exactly, exactly. And
1: and I and I played it. First of all, it it was a ramen restaurant, right? And I,
2: <laughs>
1: and, I yeah. and I and I and I played the show because my boy Stevie, who was my dude, booked it. And he had his homeboy running a uh, sound and like the sound starting to fuck up. It's, it's not his fault, you know, it's whatever. And at that moment I was kind of feeling my energy going low yeah. and I felt like the crowd energy was getting low. So I was like, man, let me go into the part of my set that I love. Cause I love that Nyan moon song. I love the two short song. I love her party playing. This will get my own mojo back. So honestly, when you're watching that clip, you were watching me go into myself and be like, all right, let me get back into my groove of like, why, why I love music and shit. And from that moment on, the rest of the show was a fucking hit. The, the energy went back up. It was all good. And it's being- just amazing that they caught me at that moment. Because it would have been oh, yeah. different if it was a different kind of show. Everything was all good. But you watch me like trying to find the fucking spirit again.
0: And I think, I think that's the great thing about that clip, because if you if you type in "Fat Tony Neon Moon," there are a number of videos that come up that show <laughs> that you yeah. do this as a set. But yeah. it's something about that clip where it's like you almost hear the crowd kind of talking and not paying attention. Yes. And then what's the too short kick in? Well, actually, what's the neon moon kick in? People are like, "Why is he? Why is he playing neon moon?" And then when the two short kick in, you literally you can hear the room go, "Oh, okay, let's pay attention." I'm back, save the crowd, man.
1: Yes, bro. Yes, real. Only something that I learned from being a DJ. Yes, which 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 I was able to put into my lives, like. Man, all all this shit work hand-in-hand, bro.
0: Now, speaking of hand-in-hand, because you were talking earlier about uh, doing a DJ set, one of your first ones to open up for Freddie Gibbs, and uh, this is going to be a long little segue, but Freddie Gibbs, great storyteller. If you guys see the Freddie Gibbs-Michael Jackson story, just type in Freddie Gibbs-Michael Jackson. It is hilarious. But also, Fat Tony is an excellent storyteller. Uh, Mm. I have, there's a story about you doing a house party at South by Southwest (laughs) and the house almost blows up. And here's the thing. I don't want you to tell that story about the house blowing up. Y'all can go find that video and look it up. (laughs) My question is, there's a point in the story where you're like, I know I need to play the perfect (laughs) song. And don't tell them the song that you played. Because my question is, why wasn't it? the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire.
2: Like, yeah, man, I thought that was the song <laughs> that was gonna get played. I yeah. was like,
0: yeah. And then when I heard the song you did play, I was like, oh no, okay, this, this makes sense. Honestly. we some songs, You could have yeah, played true. a lot. <laughs> yeah. That
1: was the song though, because it was hot at the time. <laughs> honestly, that was it. That's the only reason. The song was like new at
0: that time. So I'm yeah. like, all right. This is how we going out? <laughs> well, I also think oh, man. Right? It, it's that storytelling ability that got you. Uh, 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 three, maybe two, three guests ago, we had on uh, Dustin Prestige. Yep. Oh, sorry. And he spoke so highly of you because he's like, he said, when I go to any city, I just support H-Town. I'll go mm-hmm. whatever. He goes. I went and he goes, I had talked to Fat Tony before, or whatever, but it's not like we knew each other, knew each other. And mm-hmm. I get to New York and I see he has a show and I'm like, I'm gonna just go and support. And he's like, Fat Tony took me to Vice. Like, no, <laughs> like, he's like, no, I was like, because I was like, Dustin, I would see you like middle of the night, you're on your live and you're at Vice, and then you're standing with Saturday Night Live people or whatever. And I'm like, how did this all happen? He goes, Doug, Fat Tony took me to Vice. Like he just <laughs> took me. There was no reason why Man. he literally just took me up there because <laughs> I don't have a job or nothing. He goes, just, you know, stand over there and do what you do. And he's like, I'm literally like, when somebody asked me, what do you think about this in terms of writing something? I just started talking <laughs> and now I'm like, why am I up here at Vice, Fat Tony? So yeah.
1: <laughs> Yo, honestly, when I had that uh show, the show was so silly, right? It was. It was a mix of, like, we're having fun and we're having a bunch of problems behind the scenes with, like, getting the feel and the tone and the content of the show right. Me and all the hosts were having fun but weren't fucking with some of it at the same time.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and we had so much freedom that any friends of mine who were like, yo, what are you doing? I'm, I was just like, pull up. You know what I mean? Friends, <laughs> strangers, anybody—like, I—I yeah. I have the power to get anybody I want into here. Why the fuck not? And I just thought it'd be kind of like funny to like pull niggas into a TV show, <laughs> 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 who would were, who were like not expect? Who's like, yo, come yeah. in, come in, you know, kick it? Like, well, maybe I have a drink or something. Pull up. There's beer I'm like hand them a drink And I'm like Alright go and talk to this guy He's gonna tell you Where to like sit And then, and then they gotta stay For the next couple hours While we're filming the show But it's just like You know what When am I gonna get Another chance like that
0: Let me just do it you know what I mean? And even with that Vice, uh, and we're talking about the Vice live show, it, it, it was short lived, but it was mm-hmm. great. I felt like you were putting your all into it. That's just Thank one you. of those things where I was like, I, I, in my opinion, I never felt like it was marketed right. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people, when you look up articles are like, this wasn't marketed right, because it yeah. was cool. You know what I mean? So what is your relationship, I guess, now with Vice or, or anything, or, or your co-host from the show and everything? Well, just to backtrack
1: how I got good with Vice, even before that, like not attached to the show at all, but when I was getting ready for my Smart Ass Black Boy album to come out, I hit them up, well, my PR hit them up about doing a premiere for BKNY, which was the first music video released from the album, right? Uh And I was like, yo, let's, Throw a party, so it's funny. The, that that uh, guy Nick that booked me for those DJ gigs, mm. he got a job advice. So I was like, "Yo, let's get Nick to help us or, 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 organize this uh, party, right?" So he calls friends. He like books the venue. Vice sponsors the party. The party is fucking raging, raging, amazing, epic release party. I'm like, damn, Vice is pretty cool years down the line i have a show on super deluxe called thrift hall that was great people loved it but then the company closed and the same day the company closed somebody at vice saw it and they reached out to me and they asked me to come and do a you know screen read a screen test for this you know tbd show we can't tell you much about it it turned out to be vice live i get the job and we make it happen. Me and those co-hosts are all still super cool, some of the writers are still cool, couple of the Vice Live people are in my new video feeling groovy, I still fuck with all of them. But on, honestly, all the Vice business people that worked on my shit, none of them work there no, no more. <laughs> all of them either uh, quit or got laid off, like total regime change. Honestly, you just gotta rack it up to like corporate shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That yeah. that happened at every corporation. That's what happened mm-hmm. with, with 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 the uh, company that hosted Thrift Hall. Like, you know, business merges happen, and the niggas that you rocking with there are gone. Yeah. So I, Vice, have, yeah. I have I have no relationship to Vice now, but okay. I got a relationship with 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 the people that I rocked with. You feel and me?
0: And Vice always felt it felt like that's what happened. Like it was like. Vice felt like edgy. It's like, yo, these guys got a building and they just filming a show. And now they're like- they Yo, niggas it. was
1: not happy with that, that by the way.
0: Yeah, yeah. They were working said, there, they was, they
1: was not fucking with us. People, cause like- Really? took over their lobby. So, uh, so the lobby where like people work and, and would normally chill is now our TV show set. And like where the like main thing going on there yeah. Some of the folks working there were like, yo, we really don't fuck with y'all. Like <laughs> we need y'all to you
0: get out of I here. I believe like... it. A number of people, <laughs> some of the articles that came out after when action Bronson at first left, yes, they were mad at him too. Cause they were they like, were... Oh, well, you know, you come to work and Action's got like, you know, Doberman pinchers or whatever he's gonna have for the show, like random shit happening. And the first thing I thought was, wait a minute. Your business offices are in the same building as like everything? And they were yes, like bro. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. It's literally like there's a guy like smoking weed over here. There's a guy with like a snake, like some kind of thing, and then there's like Karen from accounting, and they're yes. like all standing yes. <laughs> next to each other. And I was like, Oh, that just sounds like a recipe for disaster. Like Keep in mine. This is at a
1: company that's constantly laying off people. It's stressful. Some like people feel like they ain't getting paid properly. Yeah. Couple with, with with a bunch of ignorant niggas getting money to act a fool in there. <laughs> Recipe for disaster. People working there are not going to fuck with us. No. Good on film, though. Good on film.
0: That's wild. That's wild. So...
1: <laughs> Pardon me. Headphone mishap.
0: No, 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 it's all. No, good. no problem. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember Prestige telling us about Land, and then he talked about how amazing the other co-hosts were. And, you know, it was just this feeling like it's like, you know, it's Fat Tony, like he's just going to wind up going somewhere else <laughs> and, and yeah. it'll be fine. But that funny as was shit, yeah. though. funniest shit, though. I came to work one night and
1: Dustin was in a fucking segment. They are yeah. like, micing him him up. I'm like, yeah. bro, uh, what what right. the fuck?
2: What but you doing here? Actually, that
1: happened twice. Two hustling-ass Houston niggas. Two yeah. Houston people that I brought up there. I later came, and they getting mic'd
0: up. I'm like, hey, man, do your motherfucking thing. Oh, That's, oh, what you you, That's what you do with it. That's what you got to do with it, though. Shy, <laughs> if you get a chance, watch the Dustin episode, because we make fun of Dustin in that, and Dustin says it. If you give me a chance to be somewhere where I'm not supposed to be, I am going to make the bigger... Like, I'm talking to everybody. If you told me that's the president of Vice over there, oh, I'm about to get in a 30, 40-minute conversation with him right now. And he's just like, yeah, because I said he would just pop up random places and then just start doing stuff. So I'm like, I don't know what Dustin's going to do, but I know he's going to do it. Honestly,
2: though,
1: that's the same type of shit I did back in the day. Yeah. And still do. Popping up like like the first time I went to New York, I got booked for this show and my producer GoldenEye introduced me to all these people. I started making like trips, making friends with them, kicking it with them. He would pull up sometimes and be like, what the fuck you doing at my nigga's house? I'm like, yeah, we're cool <laughs> now, you know what
0: I mean? Gotta network. fucking get
1: in, yeah. network, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, here's another thing, cause we often refer things, we like to see how the family progresses, like how they view you, as a career now your family when they see mm. you now your mom your dad now that you're successful like now that you're doing stuff i mean and we measure success by different things like you have comedy central like these are national syndicated things what do they say about things and what do they do when they find out you do shrooms like just random stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, like like that's got to be a weird thing. It's like. My son, like, you know, your mom is going to call everybody. She going to call everybody and be like, yo, he's going to be on Comedy Central tonight. (laughs) So what does she say?
1: (laughs) You know, you know what? There's one thing. (laughs) That's that's too much. Honestly, (laughs) she has never talked to me in depth about that. But I know for a fact she watches anything with me in it on YouTube. So she's definitely seen it. But there's one thing my mom said to me that kind of made me know that she views me differently now. She was complaining to me about how one of my little cousins is like coming up to her like, yo, I'm thinking about rapping now and like quitting my job. And he's like in in his mid twenties. And she said that she told him, she was like, boy, it's too late for for that, man. Anthony been doing music since he was like 12, you gotta get it early. (laughs) I'm like, damn my mom's looking at me like I'm a real rapper now. Yeah. To the point that she's lecturing my little cousins like, you ain't, you, you ain't grinding right, you ain't grinding the way Anthony was to get there. So I think at this point, they just look at me like, I'm in music, I'm in entertainment, I'm an artist, this is my profession, just like any other industry, I'm trying to come up and keep getting work and keep getting getting jobs and keep climbing
0: excellent excellent so now we're talking about the new album like where we're at now tell us about we've got a we got a new project that's coming out so oh boy let's 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 go talk about that (laughs) like what over 23rd man right
1: yeah yes sir bro this is this is the thing that i've made in my life that i'm most proud of okay this is hands down my best work yet. It's the hardest I've ever worked on any project ever. This is something that I've been trying to get together for years now, and we finally did it. And I couldn't be more proud of it.
0: So, I- what's so different from this project from the last?
1: So, the main difference is, me and Goldeneye are back making a full album. Okay. So, okay. Goldeneye made my Rabble Gab album, my Double Dragon album my Smart Ass Black Boy album, half the McGregor Park album. And on my last two albums, I worked with, with some different producers, still working with him on like the back end, like getting his you know input about the track and stuff, but not making beats and not writing together, right? This is the first album since Smart Ass Black Boy that we've been in a room together focused on making a project. And it's really a beautiful thing. This is an album that we talked about wanting to make for years now, but we never did it because we didn't have the right budget for it, the right label for it. My last couple albums, put them out with some different labels, but I pretty much paid for it my myself, uh, right? Yeah. So it wasn't like our smart ass black boy situation where like we're getting a recording budget up front and like we can really do it properly. And we talked. For years, about all these ideas for types of songs we want to do and like type of influences we want to have on this album, but we kept telling ourselves like Let's just wait till we get it right because we because another thing, Goldeneye and his wife had their first kid about six years ago, and when they had their first kid, they lived in New York. They decided to move to Jamaica because. GoldenEye's dad is Jamaican. Uh His, his wife's mom is Jamaican. And they were like, let's get back to our roots culturally. We've, they've, they have never lived there before. Just like visited. Let's, let's go out there and let's raise our daughter there, give her a different slice of life. And it's better for our money too. It'll, it'll just overall be a better experience, right? With him moving out there, there was no no more like oh let's go to L.A. let's let's go to New York like we couldn't do no our routine of of making music together. The yeah. only reason why he did have the beats from McGregor Park is because he came to Houston for the uh, holidays like he normally does, and we just used the little time that we had to to make as much as possible. And I was like yo, I'm gonna work with some other producers to you know fill out the album, right? Okay, okay, and. So for years, we talk about all these ideas. And then I finally got a situation with a new label where we could do it properly. And I was living in um, Brooklyn last year, right? After the Vice show, me and my girl decided to stay out there for like a year. And I thought, well, it's kind of perfect because it's close to Jamaica or at least closer and easy for him to fly to come travel. So I brought him out there rented a studio I'm like bro let's just lock in for like a week and just write and, and just make beats and just make an album right and during that period I kept having these flashbacks of all these conversations that we'd have for years now about mm-hmm. all these different things you want to try with music and it was just like man like all this kind of loose prepping that we did for like years just on the phone talking about it it's finally coming to life now and we decided with this album, we want to take a different route. We wanted to go full blown storytelling, but not storytelling about me, not storytelling about Fat Tony or even Anthony Obi, but storytelling with different characters, different themes, different situations that we may or may not have fully lived. Cause we felt like it'd be more interesting cause we can put situations in that the listeners can really learn from, and just just, just 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 make something that has more to it than just talking about yourself. Like making stories where you could learn wisdom from, or just have a good laugh at. Just 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 as a good challenge, right? And going into that mindset, we. Well, first of all, another reason why why we went that way is because on my last couple albums, I talked so much about myself, especially yeah, on, on my on, on my Ten Thousand Hours album, because on those, because on that album and on Wake Up, I was like, man, let me talk about my brother, let me talk about my life a little more. I've I've talked about it before, but let me try to stick to that as like the as like the central theme. And after doing that, I was like it's no reason for me to stay on myself with this next record. Let me try to expand. And honestly, it was such a big challenge because when you have to think outside the box, you have all these other factors. Now Mm -hmm. when, when, when you talk about yourself, part of the power is you on being honest. It's like my diary. Right. And that is the whole appeal. Right. But when you're writing stories, not about yourself, they have to be interesting, they have to be thorough, they have to show a you know, different perspective. Yeah. It just takes a lot more work. Mm-hmm. So writing songs for this album, we would spend hours, hours on every lyric, every word choice, like every phrasing, like really getting into the nuts and bolts. Man, I remember one of those studio days, we probably stayed in the studio for like, like 14 hours. Man. Seriously. Wow. Seriously, like just like giving it our all, knowing that he had to go home and had a limited amount of time. His was like wife and daughter back home. He can't leave for, you know, too much. Yeah. Let's really lock in and give it our all. Yeah. So we locked in for that week. He went back home and I spent the next couple months just finish, finishing the songs, writing them out. What, what we did when he was there was let's iron out all the songs that we need for this album with at least a verse, chorus, and theme. And anything that we don't finish, you can finish that on your own, Tony. Like, like, finish writing out the verses, fleshing it out. And I spent the next couple months just going hard on that. I also went on tour during that period, which I felt would be a healthy way for me to get my like rap muscles up because I'm rapping every night. So when I do go to actually record the album, I am primed for it. So those next couple months I'm writing, I went on tour. Then in December, I go to Jamaica. Cause I'm like, yo, I brought you to me. Now I'm coming to you. And I wanted to go out there because Jamaica, is just a beautiful place. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a musical place, rich, rich, rich musical history and not just reggae, all types of music. Right. Yeah. And I also knew that it's a place where I don't know nobody. I can't just go hang out. I can't fuck around. If I come here, I'm going to be staying with my dude and his family. And we just going to be working the same way that we were focused writing it and going out to record was an adventure in its damn self because (laughs) we, we rented a home studio at this beautiful house in the hills of Kingston beautiful, like the backyard looked like a fucking jungle, right? We got his boy who is Bunny Whaler's son to come and and mix the album and to record well not to mix but to you know record us live in the studio, right? Yeah. And um we just locked in and we focused and we had some ups and downs and like some adventures doing that. Even getting Bun on the record was a fucking adventure. Cause Bun saw on Instagram that I was out there. So he texts me and was like, yo, I'm here too. And I'm like, oh, this is fate. I'm making yeah. an album out in Jamaica, Bun is here too. Yo Bun, pull up. He's like, all right, uh, give me an address. <laughs> give, him the, give him the address. And he's like, bro, I'm on the other side of the country, like four hours away. So me and Goldeneye, we're, we're like, you know what? Ain't no way that we can pass up on this opportunity to have I Bun out in, out in Jamaica while we're making our new album. I rented an Airbnb. We packed up studio gear, and me and him drove across Jamaica yeah. for one night to go record him. Now, Bun was out there for his wife's 50th birthday. Man, Big deal, right? Yeah, He ain't got no time to go rap nothing. <laughs> he's like, he's like texting me the whole day. Like, yo, we about to do this. Maybe I can cut out for a little bit. Oh, it's not going to work. Oh, maybe I'll come this time. Oh, it's not going to work. And then finally he's like, yo, she's uh taking a nap. I'm going to pull up bun pulls up. We just chop it up for like a few minutes. And he's like, all right, let's get to it. Go upstairs. I'm playing the song as the songs playing. I'm telling him what this song's about what I'm talking about on it, and what I'm looking from him on it, right? Mm -hmm. The whole time that I'm talking, he's just typing, typing, typing in his phone. He's like, yo, play it one more time. I play the song again. He's just typing, listening, and he's like, yo, I'm ready. Gets up, records the verse. Honestly, the first take, it was perfect, but we asked him to take it one more time to be safe. Perfect again. He's like, all right, y'all, I got a dip. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i we're like yo we'll uh, drive you back to your hotel get in the car it's crazy traffic and he's like <laughs> you know what bro man I'm good I'ma just walk home and he gets out the car walks to his hotel the whole thing took about 30 minutes
0: yo. And,
1: and then we just look at each other we like play the verse back we're like damn he is a pro Yeah. Huh. pro 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 Fantastic. and we had situations like that we had a situation where the hard drive crashed and, and we had to go find a corner store that had a flash drive for sale, which was <laughs> mad hard to find at like midnight yeah. because everything's closed. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Just like constantly adventures and, and, and just like moments where we felt like, oh, maybe we're not gonna get the bun verse. Maybe we are gonna lose the whole album. Another thing that happened we recorded the whole album the first week. I had one one week left. I'm thinking like, man, I'm good. We, we can go and like kick it, party or something. Turns out there was something wrong with our studio gear, and we had to replace something, and we had to re-record the whole album. Ah, damn, son.
0: <laughs> the
1: whole album. We did it over, but honestly, it was even better. Like had to be all the all the stacks against us. From like years of us trying to make this album, from not having the right money, the right situation, to finally having it, to having a technical problem, to having to drive across the country, all of it was worth it. All of it was worth it. And I, and I think when you hear this album, you're going to hear all that thoughtfulness that we put into making this record. Every single choice, every beat choice, every lyric choice, the album art, everything was fully thought
0: out doug that that's incredible no 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 that that's that's incredible that's incredible and when is this album coming out we said october
1: october 23rd 2020 the first single feeling groovy is out now and we're dropping another video and a couple more singles but it ain't nothing like the full album experience this this is also the album that i've jammed the most out of all my albums because typically when, when i make an album i'm like jamming it for like the first few like months while it's fresh to me right yeah since we started making demos for this album a year ago i've been jamming this bitch non-stop i love this album
2: That's it, good.
1: honestly it feels like it kind of feels like it's my first album again like it's, it's, it's not a rebirth for like a rebrand or like any of that, but yeah. I'm getting the same feeling that, that I got when we first started doing this shit. And man, I just feel like I'm at a level now with me as an artist where I think I'm really going to start hitting some of my best work
0: straight up. Oh, that's great. That's good. No, nah, that's a, that's incredible. Nah, I, pre- I appreciate you telling us all that, man. Like, no, that's just incredible. So, uh, what are, you know what? Honestly, you said so much right now. I just I forgot my question. <laughs> oh, I
1: fucking love talking about this album. Ask me anything. <laughs> who, right else, who, else
0: is, who else is on the album? Is there anybody else on the album? Besides Nobody
1: sports? else is on it. No one else is on it. Hold up. My dog's trying to fucking play with me. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Harry, chill. Chill, man. Chill. You and Bum Yes. yes yo so my so my album right perry perry hold on give me a second all right perry i need you to relax i am doing it listeners
0: uh boy. he's a dog lover so he's gotta handle his dog perry man you know what it's like wait um... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they were they keep talking about how dogs are gonna have like a uh like once we go back back for real like out of quarantine yeah. dogs are gonna lose their mind because they've oh, got used to Yo, he can't handle it when I leave the house. Yeah and, it, yeah, and 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 my
1: girl gone too, so it's just us. He's like, bro, somebody play with me, please. <laughs> but uh, man, ain't ain't no more features on this album. Honestly, going into it, I was like, I want this to be my first album with no features. Yeah. just my voice and and no like auto tune like anything. I wanted it to be just my raw voice, right. But then when Bun said that he was there, I'm like, man, I gotta get Bun. can't pass up a I can't pass that up, bro. Just just to stand on some BS principle, fuck that. Mm -hmm. And honestly, he made the song even better. I thought the song was
0: done. We added a verse for him. Hmm. You feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you got the opportunity at Bun B, you do. You just do it. You drive four hours across Jamaica. Here's how bad I I don't know Jamaica. I didn't know you had to drive four hours to get across Jamaica. <laughs> you were like, yes, like yes. all the way across the country. I was like yes. okay, so I'm gonna get you a little Uber and you know take a no. little thirty minutes. It was like nah nah nah, it's four hours,
1: buddy. We took a day trip. <laughs> yeah, you had to take a motherfucking day trip, and like we're driving to Dallas. Bad.
2: It yes is. yes yeah. exactly yeah exactly. across the country it was like driving to
1: dallas to go record a verse and then go home
0: <laughs> yeah yeah like that's across the country in jamaica and houston yes. that's that's to dallas it's yeah yeah uh, man. you said you're you're out in arizona right now right yeah so what 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 took you out to arizona and why arizona you know, this is
1: the first time that I've moved somewhere that had nothing to do with my music or my business or anything. My girl's going to law school here. She is from out here. We just wanted to come settle out here while she's doing her school thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Which, which is crazy that I moved and it's not for me to do some like music shit. It's, yeah. That has never happened before. <laughs> you know, even, even from the first moment that I went to Atlanta, to go work with goldeneye that was music my yeah my whole life traveling meeting people has always been centered with me as a musician or me as an artist or an entertainer or any of that shit trying to grow yeah that was always the motivation for me to go to anywhere i didn't go to los Angeles because i thought it was like fly that's not the yeah. only reason Yes yeah. I knew that music is out there Labels are mm-hmm. out there Artists are out there Like I try to go somewhere To grow my shit You know what I mean yeah. And it's, and it's kind of nice To not do that for once But one thing that I do feel here That I think is making an impact on that Is it's such a slower pace Than I'm used to And a, a smaller city than I'm used to That I feel like I'm in this other zone Where I'm just working at home because before it was always about the link up, going to my homeboy studio, linking with this guy, linking with this guy, plus it's quarantine too. So now it's just really like, man, I'm focused. I got my good ass mic, I'm in
2: here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, what's it like now working? I mean, when we talk about you, you went to South by Southwest pretty much 12 years in a row. you you do a lot of touring, you do a lot of festival work, you do a lot of DJing and that comes across in your music. Uh, now, what's it like to have to sit still in the quarantine and just create? And do you feel like it's helping? Do you feel like it's hurting? Do you just feel like it's different? What about this quarantine uh, affects your music?
1: I think that is whack. First and yeah. foremost, <laughs> first and foremost, I know going into quarantine, a lot of people were like, oh, we'll just have more time to focus and learn a new skill and, and, and make songs. I have not been feeling super inspired being in quarantine to write and to make stuff. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
1: I feel lucky that we finished our album before COVID hit us. Okay. So we've been spending this, this whole time planning the rollout, getting the art right, mixing the album, making videos. Luckily, the work was already made, and we just had to build off it. I feel like if I was trying to make an album during this time, it would have been impossible because the way me and Goldeneye and work and the way I like to work with anybody is I like the face-to-face. It, it don't feel right to me sending the emails back and forth and stuff like, Man, I'll do it because that's all we got, but it's not, I I don't think that's how I get my best work out there, Mm. feel me? I think it's always better when we face to face and we can talk about what I'm writing, how I'm going to say it, I can watch you make make the beat, I can chime in, you know what I mean? It's that whole process. And honestly, my favorite part about being a musician is being a performer. So it's crazy for me to not be playing shows all the time. Bro, I had to, uh, well not had to, but I did a live stream concert, right? And I packed my gig bag up, and I got like an endorphin rush. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm packing this up. I'm I'm, I'm putting my mics in here, my like DJ mixer. Wow, I, I haven't felt this. And so, it was like taking drugs or something. Seriously, it was crazy. And I don't know, I was thinking about this earlier. I kind of feel like, in many ways, we are kind of starting over yeah. With, with like a lot of our artistry and especially performing. You know, now I'm seeing some outdoor shows popping up and stuff. I feel like we gotta go back to where I was like 10 years ago, playing, you know, DIY shows, playing in parks, playing in houses when that's safe, basements when that's safe, you know, kind of like starting from like the ground roots again yeah. of just you and I interacting with you know me on the mic. And I think that we're gonna lose a lot of money because we're not gonna be getting paid the way that we were before, and, and probably not getting paid that way for a couple years at least, yeah. right? But I think it's just back to basics, like just back to that hunger, back to staying out there and keeping going. Because if you don't keep it going during a pandemic, People aren't just going to be looking for you afterwards. You still got to put out music. You still got to be out there. You just got to find ways to make it work. So I am hoping that I don't have to make another album while while I'm in the pandemic. You know what I mean? I'm hoping that this new album that I'm putting out now lasts. And I want to have a way longer push and a longer campaign than any album before for this project. And uh, I'm gonna just sit my bitch ass down and, and just do you know shit like this.
0: Get on the podcast, get on the live streams. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, man. No, no, no. That that that's what most people have to do now. Because yeah, you do see a lot of artists where it's like you really have to break down, like grassroots, really reaching out. Because everybody's got to get real creative about how they get their music out now. Yeah. Like, yeah, any, actually, everybody's got to get creative by how they get anything out. Like I told people I did an article for what is that Christopher Nolan's Tenant, you know, that mm-hmm. just came out. And, you know, it is what it is. It's just it's hard to judge it as a movie. You know, people we've gotten so used to judging stuff by sales. And now it's like, yeah, yeah you know, nobody's outside. Right. So yes. now it's just like, did you like it? Or did you exactly. not? And I really feel like we're getting to a point now where it's going to be a different level of critical eye on a lot of this art and entertainment. And that's, you you got to just keep on putting it out. Keep yeah. Putting it out. That is why I
1: kind of feel lucky in one sense. You know, I mean, there there has been no luck this year at all. It's just been nothing but tons of suffering, death. Yeah. You know, but I do feel lucky in a sense that this album that is so deep and so and so thorough and just really rewards people who listen over and over and can pick up on all the little things in it. I feel good that it's coming out now when Mm. people have a little more free time, less fucking distractions. They can really get in tune with a piece of art. And I think that if this album came out with everything going on, or even at the top of COVID, it, it wouldn't come across the way I needed to. I think right now, you know, there is so much suffering and so much hurt that we've been through this year, right? And tucked in, in, into this album is a deep sense of gratitude, being thankful for your life, for what you have, for who you are, not comparing yourself to others. I think, honestly, people that engage with this album will get some real healing from it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess now, since you, you know, once things start to open back up, uh, you know, just fully and we kind of get back to normal, it's not happening yet, but it's going to happen eventually. Off of the festivals, what festivals and things like that are you looking forward to performing at? Man,
1: honestly, I desperately want to play a big ass show or festival in Houston and in Austin. Cause I think those are the two cities that show me the most love. And I'm really hoping that all the people that love my music and the people who find out about it over these next year or two, I hope when they finally see me face to face again, we can all go fucking crazy together. And, And I can play my whole new album, I can play stuff from my past albums, and I can really just give it to y'all. You know this? This it's like whole time. I'm still doing the live stream shows. I am still rehearsing at home. Like I am keeping tight. I'm keeping in tune. So when the time comes, I'm about to fucking go off. That's great. Yeah, I want to
0: see that, man. I I can't wait to see Godly live. That's my joint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yo, the homie that did the chorus, he drew my new album cover. Really? Wow, okay. Yes. okay. So, nice. I was trying to do something that's like in the vein of George Clinton or P-Funk. Mm-hmm. You know, They had this great cover artist named Pedro Bell. So I hit my friend Nagasi and I was like, yo, he's dope, dope artist, right? Dope rapper, but also yeah. a dope artist too. And it's so funny cause I was racking my brain. I was like, who can I get to do a hand drawn cover and I'm on Instagram, and on his IG story, he was like, yo, uh, hit me up if you're looking for an album cover. And I'm like, oh, I can just call my homie and, as, and <laughs> just, and just pay, pay him to do it. Yeah. So I, so I told him else? the vision of like the P-Funk style, told him that this is an album full of like characters. I was like, bro, listen to the album, and I want you to draw the characters and to draw the world of Exotica in the way that you envision it. And I think he killed it. Well. He did. He really did.
0: You have, like, a lot of... Uh, I guess you're really, for lack of a better word, I know it sounds so industry, you're so abstract. And you have numerous... <laughs> I know, I couldn't think about... Look, I couldn't think about... I'm not smart. I didn't graduate from college. <laughs> abstract. Right. I, I like it. Shit, but, we need my uh, But, uh... <laughs> you're... Uh, you have so many musical influences. When you hear that you're like, calling you a rapper is not a slight. It's like, you're not even, I can't even put you in a box. What was your earliest like, I guess, Uh, what's your, your, your first musical influence really is what I'm asking.
1: Man, I say this, my first influence, obviously shit like Michael Jackson, Prince, cause mm-hmm. they were super popular. But really when I got to high school, I got deeper into punk music, right? Okay. And, and, and there's one thing that I learned from punk. I watched this interview with this band, Minor Threat, classic band from the 80s, and their lead singer was about 17 or 18 when, yeah. like, they was doing their thing. And I watched this interview with him, and he was like, yeah, you know, we, like, book our own shows. We, like, put our money together, to, like, buy a van so we can yeah. tour. We We, like, start our own label. We, like press up our own records, and I'm just thinking like, man, me and my boys, we can do this with our music too, even though it's not punk. Like, like at the time, I would play rock music with friends of mine, but my main focus was rap music. You know, all those guys I went to middle school with, they went to my high school too. So we still rapping together, and I made a few more friends, and, and we started a, a rap group too. So we all, so I'm in like, I'm in a rap duo with my boy Keith. I'm in this other group, the low ends, like, like, I'm, like I'm trying to do music seriously, but it never dawned on me till I heard a punk artist say, you can do it yourself. Because in my mind, and this sounds mad ignorant, I still thought of music as something that you you gotta be lucky to fall into, like mm-hmm. you gotta meet the right person, you gotta go to Hollywood, like you gotta have money. But watching him say that we do it him him himself in like a dirty ass shirt, and I'm just and he's a teenager too. I'm yeah. like, man, I can take that same thought process and just apply it to what I'm doing musically. So that was the first thing that like really just like blew my mind, right? And from that, I started booking shows first because I felt like I, I always loved to perform, but I didn't know anything about putting on concerts. So I thought, what if I just try to put on concerts for friends of mine and for bands from like other towns, I can learn a little bit. So when I start playing my own shows, I kind of know how to talk to a promoter I know how much money I should be seeing if, if certain heads are here, you know, all yeah. all that stuff. So really for like, I think I put on my first concert when I was 15, I must've been a sophomore. Yeah. So really my sophomore year, junior year, I put on local shows for just friends of mine and also friends of friends. Like, like yeah. I started meeting people cause I was the kid who knew how to call the one venue and actually set up a show Get a, a flyer together, you know, advertise it, and I would advertise it. By, by by I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing the hand drawn shit, straight up. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and, and, and I can't draw. I would also uh print out images of like, of, of like Simpsons characters or just yeah. whatever I thought would like fit. You had the market. I would them. Cut them out. I would, I would, you know, paste them down. And I got my high school directory, and I would mail flyers to people that I thought liked the kind of music that was gonna be at the concert. And my Ah. concerts were were like rappers, punk bands, ska punk bands, reggae bands. It was like a wide mix. And I also made a point to to put different types of artists on the bill. One, because these like bands went to different schools. Mm -hmm. So if this band played people from like Lamar gonna come PVA people come, Bel Air people come. It, it just casts a wider net. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay, the second thing, sorry, I'm, I'm like going long. No, go
0: on, go on, go on.
1: Second thing that, that really blew my mind was Prince. Cause I liked Prince growing up, but I thought of him as like a pop star. I didn't know a whole lot about him, but mm-hmm. I had this high school teacher, Mr. Garner, he was a black dude, loved music, referenced music all the time, would talk about Prince and Ice T and and freaking UGK and, and, yeah. and just all this music during like class. And I remember I stepped to him once I was like, yo, so I so I really listened to a couple Prince albums and I really liked it. And he was like, Bro, come to my class early tomorrow. I went to his class, he burned me nine Prince albums and oh, me and him would just talk about how like great of an artist he was okay. how like serious prince was of, about music about yes. being a great songwriter and, and also how oh. thorough prince was about his like business and mm-hmm. that made me think like damn I, I also love being involved with like the business him putting on shows knowing with them you know knowing all that side of it too and to see him as a person who had a wide range of influences too and was also a black man like me i was like yo with coupled with this punk side and his influence from like prince i'm about to go even harder at my
0: rap music shit nah no, that's, that's dope and you 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 definitely did i remember uh, i think i saw you uh what was it years ago at it was either called helios or yeah. Avant Garden, whichever one they called it at the time. It was yeah. man, I, man, I played both. I played yeah. both of them all. Of course, I've seen you <laughs> numerous times. You, this is when D-Rail was uh, rapping yep. heavy. Was, yeah, that's my man. Like, I got my first blue moon at that, yeah, at that concert. Oh, so, the beer.
1: Yeah, yeah. Also, you know what? That's another thing. When, when I started playing like shows, that's when I learned about the different beers. I didn't know that there was multiple beers like that. out yeah. there. I thought I, I,
0: it was like a Light, like, like, you know man. what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, but I, I seen you, I seen you a, a few times. So I can, I can honestly say you've been out here doing shows like every week. Yeah. Where did you get that like knowledge to be like, you know what, I'ma just be out here performing all the time.
1: I felt like I had seen it modeled before too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. I I would say Prince is a big example of it because I always heard about him having these long ass rehearsals, yeah. having concerts and then having after shows where he would play for hours. Like he would play a three hour concert, play a two hour after party, yeah. you know what I mean? And And, and it just kind of dawned on me like, man, I need, I'm just starting out too. I'm not stupid. I know I'm not really totally good yet. I'm just hungry and I'm, and, and I'm fiery, but I'm not good yet. But the more work I put into it, the more hours, the better I'll get. And I had no reason to turn down any type of show because I'm just starting out. So I'm not playing for like money. Like mm-hmm. I didn't care if I had to pay to play the show or if it's an open mic or whatever. I'm like, I need to be out here. It's only going to benefit me to put some more hours into it. You know what I mean? Um, and and it, I was it, never it, it, shy it. about it. And friends of mine weren't really like that. Like.
0: Through... Nobody was at the time.
1: Yeah. Friends of mine were kinda, like,
0: not feeling that. You, you built a lot of the underground touring scene. Cause it was, it was you. I remember specifically you and your partners. I'd see you later on ill-fated. Yeah, I was so like, yo, neighbor. you'd be with Jose, my homeboy, uh, my homeboy Chris also known as Chief, like, yeah. he was, yeah. I was like, yo, y'all was really doing y'all thing.
1: Yeah, and like, those are people who I just met, and I was like, wow, there's other folks out here that feel like me. Like, I think Ill Fade a big example of, of it. He's another person like me, that that like, when we first met, we like, bro, some of our boys, they ain't serious the way we are about this. <laughs> like they ain't, they ain't trying to like stay up hours making music. They ain't trying to watch documentaries about mixing yeah. records. Like be we ain't trying man. to do this. We trying yeah. to do this for real, for real. Yeah. And I'm just lucky that I met people like that who just took it seriously. And uh, man, we, and, you know, if, 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 if it wasn't for music, I wouldn't have met these people. Cause I didn't go to school with ill fated go oh. eyes from a whole different like city, you know. D-, D Rails was was older than me. Like all these people, we only met because we out at a show or we met online and we like, yo, I'm a serious music nigga. You a serious music yeah. nigga? Let's
0: hang out. Speaking of not to derail this, pun intended. <laughs> Speaking of derail, uh, I tell a lot of people that was Drake before Drake like yes g <laughs> yeah. Row looked, looked just like Drake that he was, was great really doing Drake. it for all <laughs> the mulatto niggas <laughs> out there man <laughs> I was like seeing y'all battle yo y'all was I I've I've been a fan for a while y'all was always doing y'all thing man
1: you know what though battling battling was never my cup of tea i only did it because that was a thing to do at the time okay but i always saw myself as more of a songwriter yeah. i was more yeah. interested in like writing songs about stuff than just rapping about being the best rapper and like roasting someone okay you know what i mean but i would go to those events and i would watch the battles on uh on on on, on like youtube and shit just to kind of learn but after doing a couple of them, I was like, this ain't really for me, because I did one, and I just kinda like choked. I, I had nothing to really like say, and I was just like, this isn't giving me the same feeling I get when I go out to perform the songs that I've been working on, or even the same feeling of doing a freestyle at an open mic where it's loose. Like this,
2: yeah.
1: I'm, I'm an Aries, so I'm down to compete. But I'd rather compete song for song than like a battle I rap. It. Yeah, like yeah. I, I like I will come out and be like I got a better album than you.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? Plus, battle rapping can get real aggressive. Like the battle rap, I used to watch it before when I was in college, and now when I watch it, I was like, "Wow, y'all did like serious research." Like, how yeah. did you know? Like. How did you know that his grandmother died of cancer? I know. Like I was like, and why would you say it here? <laughs> but I, I was just like, oh no, y'all try to fight. Like I was like, y'all yeah yeah <laughs> so, yeah. You were talking mean, earlier man. about like booking shows, and throughout the interview, you talked about the different styles of music and things like that that you've listened to. Uh, tell us how this plays into this uh this new podcast that you're working with, uh, the True Conversation. Mm, well, how it plays
1: into that is I get to kind of dig into a part of myself that I haven't thought about in a while. I loved skate skateboarding growing up, right? Yeah. Me and my friends that uh, started rapping in uh, middle school, one of them was a dope skater. We all had like interest in it, right? And then our interest kind of like shifted. And I was never super good at skateboarding, so I didn't stick with it. But years down, down, years down the line, I started to work with Volcom, and me and them have a great relationship. And then the uprisings happen after the George Floyd murder, right? Mm-hmm. And Volcom steps to me, and they're like, yo, we want, To first and foremost, we want to change some things about our company. We want to make our company more diverse. We want to make a statement about standing in solidarity, and we want to make some content around it. And I was very skeptical because I felt like a lot of companies at the time were just trying to cash in on this trend, right? On this social justice trend, of this Black (laughs) Lives Matter trend, right? And they were really gung-ho about making a podcast and making some content and then rolling it out soon. And I was like, no, let's develop this properly. And let's work on this for a few months. And if during this process, we get some solid ideas and some great interviews and really narrow down the focus of what we want to do, then we'll do it and then we'll put it out when it's not in the news cycle no more, and it feels honest. And yeah. they were down with that. So I worked on the concept heavy of like, you know, at first they wanted to, it, it, it was just kinda like, it just starts from this place of, we wanna show that we're down with Black Lives Matter. So let's get this politician on, let's get this activist on, and I was just like, that's too far out the wheelhouse of Volcom. Plus. Volcom deals in, action sports and board sports, skating, surfing, snow, snowboarding. I've never heard black skaters talk about what it's like being in the industry before. Every time I hear a black board sport athlete talk about it, it's always this corny phrasing of, yo, what's it like to be one of the few black guys doing it? And do other black people look at you funny and I think that that's bullshit because I think first of all, that is of the mindset that black people don't have a diverse array of interests. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Yes. Do More yeah. than five things.
1: We, 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 we deal in all this stuff. Yeah. But what I did know is that there's an industry that doesn't highlight this stuff. And what if we have these athletes talk about that? Yeah. So with that focus, we went into doing the podcast, We are a few episodes in, and so far it's been great. We're putting out the first episode on October 5th, 2020, and I can't wait to see what people think. And I'm really happy that many of the athletes that I've had on the show so far, they all text me like, bro, no one's ever asked me about this stuff. I've I've been a pro skater or a pro surfer for 20 years, 10, 10 years, 15 years no one talks about this stuff because the people that interview them are from or first of all they're mostly white they're mostly yeah. white guys who probably don't even think about these kind of questions yeah. that me as a black man is going to ask of course so i'm i am really happy that out of this project one thing that you're going to get is you're going to start to see many of these athletes in a different light, you're gonna hear them talk about themselves in a way that feels realer than just promoting their like news sponsorship or a competition they won or or whatever.
0: And that's always interesting too, where I like that you pinpoint, it's not that black people aren't doing anything. It's just that there are a lot of media Uh companies that feel like it's not beneficial for them to highlight it. Mm -hmm. Like we knew black kids skateboarding growing up yeah. It's funny watching like when stuff does get highlighted, like at one point they're like black people don't play golf and then Tiger Woods plays golf. And now it's like, it's normal. Like I said before Tiger Woods, the jokes would literally be rappers like oh, golf. Like I ain't playing no golf. And yeah, now yeah. it's just like people like, yeah, I play golf. It's yeah, a good deal. So it's one of those things where it's like the, you know, whether it's true or not, media can build up a perception that people will just take on and be like, nah, we don't do that because I've never yep. seen us do that. And it's like, nah, there's like a bunch of people that do this. You just never get a chance to see we it. Just didn't pay attention. We yeah. play and golf. I, we play and tennis. I think that's a better way
1: to show that you stand in solidarity rather than try to input your own perception of what blackness is, or try to elicit the kind of answers that you want. Mm -hmm. Let's put black people up here and get them to talk about themselves in a way that is not super duper provoked. That is just honest. And let's show that to the world.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, besides, well, you know, before we get out of here, like let's, Tell the people where they can find everything that you've got coming out. Uh, Mm. Tell tell the people what you got coming out on the horizon, whether it's the True Conversations, whether it's the new album, all that stuff, uh, just so all the fans and future fans know.
1: Man, I am Fat Tony Rap everywhere online. The website is fattonyrap.co, not .com, .co. You can go there, sign up for from, from my mailing list. i hit your inbox every month or two with some new shit. <laughs> I am constantly working on something. I have always been the type of person that likes to keep something brewing behind the scenes. I don't like to be big and loud about what I'm working on till it's real, right? Okay. Once it's real, then we'll talk about it. But for now, I can say I have my new album, Exotica, coming out, which is incredible. We got the True Conversation podcast coming out, and I'm working on some other shit. And if all goes well, y'all going to feel it, and y'all going to love it.
0: Right. That's perfect. That's perfect. Perfect, man. We really want to thank you for for showing up and being on time. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank y'all, man. Right on time.
1: I was impressed my damn self because honestly, sometimes I like to be a little late just for the vibe. You know what I mean? To keep niggas like when 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 I'm when I'm playing a concert and I'm the headliner, Mm. I like to be like you know, uh, let me go like five minutes after my set time, (laughs) so folks kind of like get that feeling of, yo, they said said he's coming on now. Where is Is he? Like, do I have time to get a drink? Then boom, I'm out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I will like, say at concerts. If I showed up at a concert and the concert started on time, I feel like I missed the first forty-five minutes. Like I was be right? upset. <laughs> like I was like, "God, you you started at seven? Yeah, I feel really? Sad. Like i like that? What? Like I I yeah, thought the happened. headliner wasn't even yeah. gonna come on until like eight thirty. Like I yeah, went to 30. dinner. I was coming. you <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, we had a hard start time. We we we're on time. <laughs> All of my
1: partners, I always lie to them. I always tell them that I play like 30 minutes early because I know they're going to show up late because oh, yeah. they think I'm going to be late. Yeah. But they don't know that this venue is professional. So nothing's late. Yeah. Everything yeah. runs yeah. runs on time or niggas yeah. might get, get fired that work there, right? Oh, yeah. So, I, so it, I always tell them like I play, uh, you know, 30 minutes early just to give them a little buffer time. And they always late. And I'm always like, oh, you're right on time, man. It's I'm about funny to in on. Houston, the different thing <laughs>
0: Because i would be telling people, like, depending on the different venues, like, I'll tell people, like, yo, White Oak, Smart Financial, they are starting on time. <laughs> yes, <All right>? sir. <laughs> you are, they, like, Sugarland and that area by White Oak, that Heights area, they are not hearing music after a certain time. Yes. Like, I don't yes. care <laughs> who you are. Like, <laughs> if you want to come on and start late, then you're only going to play one song. Yes. <laughs> they would be like, oh, okay, okay. So I was like, yeah, there are other venues, like maybe the House of Blues will let it go for a little bit or something like that. A little
1: like, bit, though. Little <laughs>
0: that's a little that's bit. A little bit. But, like, I was like, yo, uh, I'm telling you right now, if you're out here in Sugar Land and you're at White Oak, I promise you, the show is starting on time, whether the artist is there or not, and it's going to end on time. It's going to end it's on time. Yeah. They're going to get you out of there. Yeah, they man. They're going to get you out of there, man. We're getting out of here, too. We're going to. Really want to thank you. Uh, it's been In my Humble Opinion podcast, I've been one of your hosts and will always be. Avery, like a very nice guy. Also, with my brother, Just Devon. And we've been speaking with Fat Tony, man. All right. That I, Love I y'all, man. You, you, you've really been doing it up. You've built a lot for the city you put on for your city. We really want to thank you, man.
1: Thank you, man. And I'm going to keep on coming with it. Like, I'm in this for life. And I decided that from a very early age, I'm gonna keep
0: creating. That's what you're supposed to do. Be like Fat Tony. If you really wanna do something, you just gotta do it. That's it, in my humble opinion. Like, support, comment, and retort, man. We're also on, uh, what is this? Uh, YouTube on YouTube. No, we gotta. You know what? You're right. See, that's a good job. I'm just gonna be like, why we don't pub this anymore. And people ask me, like, hey man, that looks like a great episode. Where is it? It's on YouTube, YouTube. it's on Facebook, it's on Spotify, it's on Google Music, it's on Apple, it's on it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Hey, quit sending us people that have been on the show. Oh man. Boys got to do their research. was <laughs> okay. Because this is going to be great. Because I'm waiting for, uh, I love this episode. Because I'm waiting for somebody to come with me and be like, hey, you know who you should get? Fat Tony. <laughs> Say which I'm one. Like, and I always hit him with the oh, oh which, which one? <laughs> Say which one. Fat, Fat Tony. <laughs> uh, let, let, me look up, let me look up his stuff real quick. You know what? You
1: can't mean the third Warty, in fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, look, man, we appreciate having you on,
1: man. Much love, y'all. Peace. All right, man.
0: All right. Everybody be careful.